0: All sports, all the time. There's
1: heroes and there's legends. Heroes
2: get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! That's a freaking ball! Uh, let's talk some sports because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned into the Spoken. the Spoken. Ladies
3: and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell.
2: This is The Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the KCPN studios, with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. It's good. Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Miss Gats on the one and twos, as always. Episode 87 is here. We're ready, guys. It is Friday night. For all of our podcasters, we appreciate you guys taking the time wherever you're at. We thank you for taking the time to be with us this week as we break down some Chiefs topics, some Chiefs football. It's right in the heart of the NFL season in the year of our Lord 2020. And we are very happy to be here and we thank you guys all. I know our live streamers are not happy about this one. Our YouTubers are probably not happy about this. But guys, we roll with the punches. If we have learned anything in this year, it is that that is what we have to do. We have to be able to adjust Consider this a second a second half adjustment. We will be back on live stream. We will be back on YouTube very very soon. And in the meantime, you just have to listen to our sultry voices. You'll have to imagine what Trevor's wearing this week, uh, which is actually nothing. Surprisingly, this uh, time around, I'm, I'm a little offended by this. I um, streaming lives,
1: so.
2: yeah, we're gonna have to send you a fine in the Birthday mail. Birthday Suit it is. Birthday suit it is. But we're really happy to be here, guys, and talk like I said, some Chiefs football, and there is so much to unpack. So let's get right into it because we have an awesome guest. Um from Denver. He's an actual Broncos beat reporter, Zach Stevens. He will be joining us in the second segment. But I'm gonna start with something. I need a rant for a second, and it's a good rant. I promise you, it's nothing negative, nothing depressing. It's all good because us Chiefs fans have been living large over the last few years. You have calculated, yet an aggressive owner in Clark Hunt. You have a top two head coach in Andy Reid. I would personally say the best in the league, but I'll digress. You have a top five, possibly even the best, general manager in the NFL in Brett Veach. And you have the best quarterback in the world, a man that does not need to be introduced, but I'll say it anyway, Patrick Mahomes. And you have the defending Super Bowl champions, the Chiefs. Life is good for us, and at 5-1, the running back tour is still in full swing. Well, life got even better a little over a week ago when the Chiefs landed the running back, Le'Veon Bell, after the New York Jets released him. And we had our good friend, Marty McDonald, come on last week breaking down why the Chiefs took Bell in and what he expects from Bell in this tenure with the Chiefs and how it all came together. And for anyone who knows how Bell's career has gone so far, we've seen extreme highs and extreme lows. Extreme highs during his early career in Pittsburgh Chiefs fans know this all too well seeing that Bell put up 752 scrimmage yards in his five career matchups with Kansas City. That's an obvious high. But then the 2018 holdout where he missed the entire season to prove a point that seemingly became pointless when he ended up in New York with a much lesser talent team, much, much less talented team and less money than what the Steelers initially offered him in his first or second contract to then only playing in 18 total games and putting up 863 rushing yards with the Jets, that's an obvious low. So what do we expect from Bell? What should we expect from Bell? Something in in the middle of the highs and lows? I mean, that's possible. But me personally, I'm expecting more of the things that that make life good for us Chiefs fans. I'm expecting more 2016-2014 Le'Veon Bell than 2019 Le'Veon Bell. In 2014 and 2016, Le'Veon benefited significantly off of playing next to some of the league's best players at their positions. Prime Big Ben, prime Antonio Brown, prime Heath Miller, with an unbelievably elite offensive line with prime Alejandro Villanueva, Ramon Foster, Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Marcus Gilbert, and Kelvin Beecham. Those offenses were absolutely stacked, and Le'Veon Bell 100% benefited off of it, and there's no mystery as to why those were his career years to this point. In case you missed it, the Chiefs, have a little offensive talent themselves. Prime Mahomes. Prime Kelsey. Prime Tyreek. Prime Sammy. Clyde. With an offensive line comprised of an elite player like Mitchell Schwartz and solid veterans like Eric Fisher. This offense is absolutely stacked in itself, and I strongly believe that Le'Veon Bell can and will 100% benefit off of it. And hey, let's not assume that this is some rental. Let's not act as if this isn't a perfect fit for Le'Veon. Hell, he said so himself numerous times with the local media in his initial interviews and has acknowledged on his own that he realizes that he's simply another bullet in the chamber of the Chiefs offense handled by Andy Reid, who he loves and admires with or without playing for him. And we... And if we know know anything about this current market for running backs in their late 20s, it isn't great. I'm never one that tells a man an athlete what to go after. And for all I know, Le'Veon could use this opportunity to up his price for the offseason and for the next team to play for. But Le'Veon Bell has made over $44 million in his career. That's a lot of money. Le'Veon Bell has zero rings. That's not a lot of rings. From what I've gathered, Le'Veon wants to spend the rest of his career winning. And if you've paid attention to the NFL, the place you want to be when winning is your goal is Kansas City. This is a great move for both the Chiefs and Le'Veon Bell. I think that goes without say. And I am going to hold out high hopes only because... I know the highs of the Chiefs, and I know the highs of Le'Veon Bell, and the idea of both highs occurring in unison only solidifies my confidence in this team repeating as champions once more, so much more. Have high expectations, guys. And we're going to leave it right there, because I need to get to my guy Zach Stevens. We're going to break down this Chiefs and Broncos game. I want to get his thoughts, his opinions, his viewpoint on this Chiefs-Broncos Week 7 matchup. I'm really excited to have him. This is his first time on the show So I hope you guys are ready. I hope you guys are strapped in. I hope you guys aren't doing anything at this moment before this Chiefs game. And we're going to talk some football with this guy. We'll get back to this. We'll get back to that after this. on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the KCPN studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. And Gat on the ones and twos. We are so excited, guys. This is the first time guests that we've had. I know that you guys have kind of picked up on, on what we've been doing this time around in the year 2020. Uh, we had Raider Cody on from the, from the Raiders game that unfortunately gave us a, a bunch of L's to take on. But I, I feel confident this week that the Chiefs are going to take care of business. But nevertheless really excited to have a Broncos beat reporter uh, that also works for DNVR Sports and DNVR uh, Broncos as well. Guys, let's give it up for our guy Zach Stevens. How are we doing tonight,
0: Zach? (laughs) Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Man, I'm I'm pumped for this game. Anytime you get the Super Bowl champs in town, you got to make sure it's going to be some cold weather to bring them in
2: yes of course you guys are bringing the snow man and, and and unfortunately we got a quarterback that likes to sling it in the snow and we saw that in Kansas City we'll see hopefully the Denver snow is uh, just as kind to Patrick Mahomes as he, it was in Kansas City but nevertheless first, first things first whenever we have a first-time guest on this show we love to give them the platform to, to let our viewing audience know who and what they're all about so Zach Stevens who and what are you all about my man
0: Oh, man, I appreciate it. I'm a Colorado native, been uh, around the Broncos my entire life. I'm sure your audience loves to hear that. And I've been covering the Broncos for this is my fifth season now full time for for DNVR. We do a podcast as well about the Broncos. I'm sure you guys are all going to tune into that one on the daily. Uh, Absolutely. Just just absolutely love uh, covering this team. And, you know, since I've been covering the Broncos I have not witnessed a Broncos win over the Chiefs. Of course, when I was a a fan uh, growing up, I saw many with Peyton Manning. But I mean, it's just crazy how this decade has been. It was dominated by the Broncos beating the Chiefs pretty much every single time with Peyton Manning. And now, uh, you know, it's been five years since the Broncos beat the Chiefs. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit of a swing of things. And we're going to get into that in a second. But but just just getting right into the nitty-gritty of everything currently with the Broncos. The Broncos haven't had an ideal first month and and, and, and to begin the season, I would say, as a whole. But from injuries to the record, we, we saw this team take down the Cam Newton-led Patriots despite all that. Uh, Just this last weekend and coming into week seven on a two game winning streak. My question to you just up front is are are the Broncos setting themselves up for a potential bounce back in the middle of the season?
0: They are. They, They have put themselves in a position where there is still life guys going into this last week's game against the Patriots. The Broncos had to beat either the Patriots or the Chiefs to, after that two-game stretch, still have their season be alive. And they were about nine-point underdogs against the, against the Patriots, and they're nine-point dogs against the Chiefs. But let's be real, the much harder game to win for the Broncos was the Chiefs this Sunday. So it was huge for them to be able to get that W against The Patriots go to two and three. Now, if they fall to the Chiefs, they're still alive. Their season is still there because they bounce back, play some teams that are certainly not as hard uh, as the Chiefs after this week. But they are in a position right now. They're also getting a lot healthier. They finally have Drew Locke back uh, where they could actually make a play for potentially that seventh wild card spot. But obviously, they they first got to get back to 500. And what's crazy is they have an opportunity this week.
2: Now, John Elway is a god in Denver. Uh, I have friends that live in Colorado, and everybody, everybody loves John Elway, at least the people I know. But outside of landing Peyton Manning, Elway has been atrocious at obtaining anything consistently good or even manageable at the quarterback position. Zach, what, what, what is the pulse from the local media, you guys, and, and Broncos fans, which is also you, as a whole when it comes to Elway and their belief in him at this current time?
0: Well, in terms of him finding quarterbacks, it all rests on Drew Locke because you're right. He did land Peyton Manning, but then he whiffed on Case Keenum. He whiffed on Paxton Lynch. He whiffed on Joe Flacco. Uh, you can keep going down the names of quarterbacks that, that did not work here. Brock Osweiler did not work. Uh, but in terms of John Elway in general, uh, in terms of him looking at quarterbacks, it all it all depends on, on Drew Locke. If Drew Locke hits, Well, people are going to forget, you know, 10 years down the line. People are going to forget all those whiffs that he had. They're just going to say, yeah, that happens when you lose a guy like Peyton Manning. You're going to have a couple down years after that. But then he found Drew Locke. Now, if he doesn't find Drew Locke, Well, it's tough because now the Broncos, I mean, it's crazy. Even with two wins, they've taken themselves out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Uh, A couple more wins, they're going to take themselves out of the other top guys in the draft next year. And then you're kind of back where you were, where you you didn't have a good enough draft pick to get a quarterback. And free agent quarterbacks don't come around. The Broncos have already learned that uh, the hard way. So in terms of quarterbacks, people are really wait and see with Drew Locke. But if if Drew does not pan out, then it's going to be really, really tough on John Elway. But in terms of John Elway in general, where he stands with his fan base, you do have some people that are starting to turn on John Elway. Not the player, of course, but John Elway, the general manager. And I would say it's... You know, just over 50% of people uh, still have his back uh, without a doubt. And, you know, a good majority of those people will always have his back no matter what the team does. But there are some people that are saying, John, just what you said. John, you got Peyton Manning. Then you did build a good defense. But since then, it's been really tough sledding, and people are starting to turn.
2: Well, sharing a hometown with uh, him and seeing him shine at Mizzou, I've seen all levels of Drew Locke. Now, he's only played in eight games to this point of his career, and I'll be honest, I, I have no idea how to feel about Locke as a pro quarterback right now. So I know we just talked about him a little bit and, and, and how much is is relying on him as far as the Broncos' future, but you personally, what is your take on Locke, and, and do Broncos fans believe that he is, in fact, the answer that they've been looking for ever since Peyton Manning hung it up in 2015?
0: So, I just a disclaimer. I have a little bias on Drew because in the draft process, before the Broncos drafted him, uh, I saw him down at the Senior Bowl and I loved what this University of Missouri quarterback brought in fact that was when the Broncos were drafting 10th overall I was I was advocating the Broncos trade up into the top five to draft Drew Lock and of course they didn't do that they didn't take him at 10 they didn't take him at 20 when they traded back they didn't take him early in the second round uh then they traded up to take him one pick after they drafted uh guard Dalton Reisner so I'm very high on Drew Lock coming out of Missouri for some of the things you mentioned uh you know he he put he He led the league in uh, air the nation and touchdown passes when he was at Mizzou one year. Uh, And I just love the physical and intangibles that he brought. And I'm still pretty darn high on drew Locke and what his potential could be. And it's because of that potential. He has all of the physical attributes that you need. And then in terms for a quarterback, he has all of the intangibles as well. His leadership uh, is fantastic. And I've loved what I've seen from him off the field. And in terms of on the field, I've been happy with what I've seen from him. Now, am I, am I ready to say that he's the franchise quarterback, give him a 10-year, $500 million deal? Absolutely not. But that's what this year is all about for the Broncos. If they make the playoffs, that's great. If they get to 500, that's great. It would be a stepping stone from what they've done. But the ultimate goal of this year is to find out exactly what Drew Locke is and if he is the guy for the Broncos. Now, this year, you look at the stats for Drew. It is not something where Chiefs fans will look at and say, oh, yeah, we're scared about him. No, he has one touchdown, two interceptions on this season. In fact, you look at the game against the Patriots, he had his lowest passer rating of his career, an abysmal 34.9. But, guys, there were a lot of things that happened in that game that really went against uh, against him. He had four touchdown passes hit his receiver's hands, that they all dropped. They dropped four touchdown passes uh, for him, so he he would have had a lot more yards, would have had more touchdowns. So the stats don't really tell the the deal with Drew Lock. Uh, but right now, I'm 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 satisfied uh, with where he's at right now.
2: You mentioned earlier uh, that you, you, the life, you know, that the Broncos the Broncos have life. Uh, the AFC West has been lacking on field rivalries since 2015, as we talked about when you saw all those wins that Peyton Manning's uh, era was racking up. And and as a Peyton Manning fan, as much as I hate to admit it, I was enjoying some of that, uh, even as a Chiefs fan, just to see him succeed because I've been a lifelong Peyton Manning fan. Uh, the Broncos ran this division and the Chiefs have now ran it ever since. But Zach, we, we all know the Chiefs are the current class of this division, but I, I want to know, If you believe that the Broncos are the team within this division that has the best chance of dethroning the Chiefs in the future when it comes to being the ultimate representation of the AFC West once again.
0: You know, because of Patrick Mahomes and, and him just being the best player in the NFL, it depends on what quarterback in the AFC West gets their version of Patrick Mahomes. Now, no one's going to get the, the next Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is so freaking good. And I've had a lot of Broncos fans come at me this past year for just saying how good he is. So, guys, you don't have to convince me there. Uh, and, and it's pretty obvious just watching him, looking at the numbers, how good he is. But what team can get the next best quarterback? in this division uh, Derek Carr really looked like he was declining well now this year he's playing out of his mind Justin Herbert I wasn't that high on him in the draft process well he's proven me wrong he's balling out of his mind out of his mind as well so right now guys I think Drew Locke is probably the fourth best quarterback in this division as it sits right Ooh. now and so it's hard for me to say that the Broncos are that team right now but I do think that Drew Locke has the the talent, has those intangibles to become the second-best quarterback. And I think we could know in five weeks from now if he is. And if he is that guy, the Broncos have all the pieces around him. Of course, they, they have the most expensive defense in the NFL. They're spending the most on the defensive side of the ball. And I love some of the pieces they have. And on offense, they are young. And they are talented because John Elway said, "I want what the Kansas City Chiefs have." So he tried to get, you know, the best quarterback that he could with Drew Lock. But then he also said, "I'm giving Drew Lock uh, a first round tight end. I'm giving Drew Lock two Pro Bowl running backs. I'm giving Drew Lock a second round receiver that's that was a Pro Bowler last year. And I'm going to go out and get him another second round second round receiver this year." So he is just surrounding him with young talent in order to try to keep up with the Chiefs because at the end of the day. You are not going to slow down Patrick Mahomes. The only way you can beat him is if you win in a shootout. And that is just crazy to say because that's a crazy, incredibly difficult task.
2: See, I'm so glad that I picked out the right guy when it comes to the Broncos representation because I feel like we're like brothers brothers from afar. Like this is (laughs) your 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 sincere honesty and genuine takes. I, I this is what I know. I I guarantee you. And I don't know your mentions. I don't. I know you have a good following with Broncos fans, but I imagine that you got some people out there that you say. I think you even mentioned it a couple minutes ago that you piss off. Because how honest you are about some of these things, and that's how it's been for us here in Kansas City pre Mahomes. Since it's been Mahomes, I mean, it's all it's been Cloud Fifteen. I say 15, most, most people say Cloud Nine. I like to say Cloud Fifteen. But, but the point is, is that I think that's great that you can be honest about the current situation. I think that I would imagine that's a lot more freeing for you to be able to provide content as opposed to trying to spin everything positively. Sometimes, sometimes you got to call out. You know, the the franchise you love the most and you being a fan, us being fans of the team that we talk about, you being a fan of the team you talk about, I'm sure that's not easy, but I'm also sure that that's something that helps you, uh, you know, stay in in, in balance and, and to give people your honest opinion.
0: Yeah, I really had to learn it the hard way, too. By these past three years, not covering a winning team, You can't it can't all be sunny and, and, and positive when things really aren't that good and you see multiple coaching changes.
2: Right. <laughs> right. Well, you, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. I'm glad you did. We can segue right into it. We're going to get into this Week 7 matchup. Patrick Mahomes has had some, if not most, of his most profound moments in Denver. His first career start, his first career win, first left-handed completion, uh, first significant injury. I mean, the only thing that Mahomes hasn't experienced in Denver is a loss. So we've now seen how the Chargers and Raiders come at Mahomes and the Chiefs. How do you expect the Broncos to attack and engage on Sunday?
0: Well, the the only chance that you really have against Mahomes is getting pressure with four. And now what the killer thing about the Chiefs is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, as you guys very well know, somehow the NFL let him slide all the way to the Chiefs last year. And that's just what's brutal is now if you give Patrick Mahomes the run, Andy Reid's going to take that every single time. So I think that the Broncos are going to have to change it up here. And I think they're going to have to do something absolutely crazy. And people in Denver totally disagree with me, but I think they're going to have to bring pressure and not let the chiefs run the ball on the Broncos and guys, as crazy as this is to say, let Patrick Mahomes beat you because the chiefs are pretty much undefeated in the Patrick Mahomes era when they run for a hundred yards. And so you cannot let the chiefs be two dimensional in my eyes. When I view this from the Broncos perspective, you can't let them do that because you know what? The second dimension of Patrick Mahomes is never going to go away. So if you let the chiefs be two dimensional, well, Patrick Mahomes may only throw for 200 yards, but just like last week, he's going to have two touchdowns, no picks, and that you're not going to be able to stop the chiefs offense in any sense. So to me, don't let the Chiefs run the ball. Stop that. And when you stop the run, what you're going to do is you're also going to have some guys bring pressure for Patrick Mahomes, and he's incredibly good under pressure, as we know. But the Broncos' key is taking him down when they touch him. They can't let him get outside the pocket. That's how uh, the left-handed pass happened. was even as good as Von Miller is, he was not able to take down Patrick Mahomes. He was the one chasing him, but Patrick's put it in his left hand and threw it to Tyreek for that first down. Uh, So that that's and, and over the past two weeks, we've seen Vic Fangio blitz more than he ever has being the head coach of the Broncos. To me, that's when the defense has looked the best under Vic Fangio is these past two weeks. So I say, I know it goes against, what people do against Patrick Mahomes, but that's what you got to do. You got to bring some pressure to stop the run, not let the chiefs be two dimensional and also just, just try to force Patrick Mahomes into some bad situations, even though he's really good at avoiding those.
2: Let Patrick Mahomes beat you. I, I think the Broncos – if the Broncos adapt to your mentality, they yeah, might be the only team in the league that says, you know what, that's the way to do it. I like it. Yeah. And I, you know what,
0: I hope you're right, Zach. I hope they say let Patrick Mahomes
2: beat him because guess what? The, he, will, the, he will beat them. That's, what's, that's what will happen. I promise you that. But, no, just uh, to, to stick onto the quarterback side of things and kind of bring it back to Drew Locke in a sense – we, we all acknowledge the fact that he's still very much unproven. I think we all can agree that the kid's got talent. He, he played unbelievable in his college ranks. He's shown promise in the NFL, like you, you touched on, the four drop touchdowns last week. You can't ignore those things. Uh, and that's not on him for sure. Let, let's, let's, let's play a little scenario here, though, for a second. Let's say that Drew Locke just shits the bed for the rest of the season. Let's just say he does not do well. Let's say he just he shows that, okay this guy is probably not going to be the answer at quarterback. And with the pressure on John Elway to deliver and to get back to the winning formula that you guys had just a few years ago, which now seems like ancient history. How how do you see John Elway going about it? If, in fact, that is the case where and where Drew Locke is not the answer, at least the Broncos feel that way strongly by season's end. Do you see them? Potentially, Because I'd imagine if he doesn't play well, they're going to have a top 10 pick. Do you see them trying to get themselves into a Trevor Lawrence type of scenario uh, where they can try to play into it, try to trade up, or maybe hope that he falls somehow, some way, which won't happen? Or do you see them going to the, the retread method that actually gave John Elway the only true success he's had as the leader of the Broncos and try to trade for a Matt Ryan or an Aaron Rodgers or something crazy like that? I mean, we've seen crazy things happen. How do you see it playing out if, in fact, Drew Locke is not the answer?
0: Right before the Broncos drafted Drew Locke, John Elway uh, said something at the Combine that was very interesting. He said something along the lines of, you know, we don't have time to wait to develop a quarterback. That's why I was a little surprised that the Broncos actually did go the Drew Locke route is because he said, we don't have the time to do that. Now, they also had Joe Flacco, who they thought was going to be able to buy that time for drew. So with that comment in mind and with the, the knowledge that John Elway uh, has only succeeded uh, with a winning record with the quarterback, that he brought in a veteran guy, I think that's the route he would go. And like you said, there's some names out there that you could actually trade for. Now, it doesn't look like the Packers are going to be willing to get rid of Aaron Rodgers after this season. But a Matt Ryan, a Matthew Stafford type, I know John Elway really has liked Matthew Stafford in the past. So that could be a guy you go after. The other route, if you were to do the draft, the only other thing John Elway has not done in the draft with quarterbacks is traded up to go get one and traded up in the first round, in the top five to do that. So maybe that's the route he would take, but I would say that it is going out and getting a veteran because he, he believes he has a team to win right now. He has the the defensive head coach to help the highest paid defense in the league. So he he believes he can have an elite defense and then he has all these young weapons on offense. So he, he would do that uh, in terms of go trade for, for uh, a high-end quarterback because it would be bring potential instant success.
2: All right, Zach. Since you're such an honest guy, and I think we've clearly uh, addressed that to this point, I'm going to ask you an honest question: Who wins on Sunday?
0: <laughs> you know what? I think the Broncos win against the spread. Uh, I, I think I do think they. <laughs> I think they keep it close. I think the the last time I saw the spread earlier today, it was nine. I'm liking the Chiefs in seven here. But I actually don't think it's going to be a backdoor cover for the Broncos. I think the Broncos are going to play them tight. The Broncos are feeling the momentum of their two-game win streak. They know how big this game is. They know that if they lose against the Chiefs, it's going to be 10 straight losses. But guys, at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be really, really terrible weather here in Denver. It's going to be cold. It's going to be snowy. But what's the one thing we've learned about Patrick Mahomes? He's not bothered by that stuff, and and of course maybe all quarterbacks take a little hit in in in, un, in ideal weather. Well, Patrick Mahomes takes the smallest hit of any quarterbacks that we've seen, so I think it's going to phase the Chiefs less than than the Broncos, and I think at the end of the day, I'm going thirty to twenty three Chiefs over the Broncos.
2: I like it. I like it. That was that was well that was well put together. I like that a lot. Of he said Broncos win. This spread. <laughs> that was well done. That was well done.
0: I now, appreciate that. I had to get that line together for uh, for my audience to give them a little hope. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll cut
2: this up so it looks like you said the Broncos win. So, in fact, you guys do pull this one off. I'm like, dude, Zach Stevens called this shit on our show. This is amazing. But my, my final question for you, Zach, and, again, we do appreciate you, man, taking the time on a Friday night. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever visited Kansas City before. I, I've been to Denver, and I absolutely loved it. Besides the panic, the panic attack I had on the way in because the air literally left my lungs due to the (laughs) damn elevation. But if and when I go back, what restaurants do you recommend I hit up out there? Because I went to snooze and that place was awesome. But I'm talking like I want I want the delicacies of Denver, man. What do you recommend being a being a Colorado lifer?
0: Mm, that is a fantastic question. Well, my, my company, uh, DNVR, actually, we just we just bought a bar, so it's called uh, the DNVR Bar. So recommend that for for a brewer to nice. catch a game. Oh, hell yeah! A but uh, a, a long time Denver establishment. I'll give you the place that has had their liquor license for the longest time in Denver. Goes all the way back to I think like 1890s and it's my favorite burger ever it's called it's called my brother's bar and there's a couple like brother's bars and and other names that are similar but it's my brother's bar it's in downtown got this awesome old time feel to it you got to get the burger that has i think three different cheeses with some caramelized (laughs) onions on it 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 is so so good
2: that's it. I just booked my flight to Denver, and I reserved two tables. So you're gonna have to be there with us, Zach. I yeah, love it.
0: I've
2: already, I've already liked it on Facebook and everything, man. This is this is amazing stuff. And uh, if we get if, if and when we ever get down to Denver, man, I'm gonna have to buy you a beer and everything for coming up on here. And we'd love to have you back on the show. But in the meantime give the people like, because believe it or not, man, there are Bronco fans out here in Kansas city. So uh, we're all about giving you love out here, man, and and getting the followers to, to pay attention to your content. So go ahead and throw out the social media stuff out there, man. Let the people know where they can reach you.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I'm on Twitter at Zach Stevens, DNVR. Hey, I really appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, you know, if I ever make it out to KC, I'll have to reach out. And I may have to make it out there because I heard there's a little sandwich named after me called the Z-Man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, look at you taking all the credit for the Z-Man, man. I mean, shit. It makes a lot of sense, though. I mean, the, the stars do align yeah, here. But, yeah, absolutely. I will, I will tell you this, and it's on – we have the receipts here. This, this recording is forever. When you come to Kansas City, you better hit us up. The first Z man of your life is on the Spoken Podcast. We got you. We'll take it. We'll take you to Boulevard Brewing Company. That's our. That's our beer out here in Kansas City. That, that's our top tier model, if you will, when it comes to beer. We got a ton of breweries out here, though, so you'll be shocked. Uh, speaking of of breweries, man, we went out to uh, Denver a couple years ago, and I went to the Great Divide. I absolutely love that place. Had a great time. Denver was absolutely amazing. But KC, man, we have. We may not have the mountains. We may not have Red Rocks. We got barbecue. We got great football, as you as you, you have been brothers. fully aware. Yeah, fully aware of. And uh, yeah, like I said, man, you would absolutely love it out here. But in the meantime, Zach, I really hope, man, you, you guys keep killing it out there. Do do great with DNBR, man. We'd love to have you back later in the season, if possible, to talk uh, the Chiefs rematch with the Broncos later in the season. Uh, but thank you so much for being here with us, man. And we really look forward to this matchup and, and to following up with you later in the season.
0: Absolutely, I really appreciate it, guys. This is a blast, and I'll spend. Uh, the next Friday night before the Broncos game with you guys.
2: That sounds great, man. We'll lock it in right now. So that is our guy, Zach Stevens, DNVR, uh, sorry, Broncos beat reporter. And uh, yes, definitely give him a follow. He's an awesome guy. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about there. And he's honest. That's what I like about Zach Stevens the most. He's honest. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get to the Eddie hour, get some thoughts from our guy, Eddie. And uh, looking forward to what he's got on his mind. We'll get back to that after this. back at it again on the spoken podcast for segment number three i am your host lance twidwell here inside the kcp and studios with my guys trevor twidwell that's good eddie ortiz yo 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 and dad on the ones and twos we just had our guy zach stevens from dmvr uh out there in denver a uh, beat reporter for the Broncos. Such a sweet guy. Sweet dude. He, awesome. uh, that's the kind of guy we want to awesome. hang out with. Like, Rigger Cody, it. you know, we I might to have, we a beer have with to throw us. down first, and then <laughs> we go going have a beer. <laughs> Zach's like the dude, I want to give him a hug, like the it's first good. time I meet him in person. He was just a cool dude, man. Like, <laughs> give us good answers. And, and like I said, the, the the best part about it was he was honest. Like, he yes. was giving us real answers as a Bronco fan. Like, you can tell that it isn't just a job for him. Like, he really yeah. – like it's like what we do. Like, we we love this team. So sometimes – our team's going to piss us off, and we're going to be honest about it. And honestly, guys, I, I would like to talk a little bit about the Bills game in a minute before we do our uh, Chiefs-Broncos review, because there's some honesty I want to talk about with it when it comes to the Chiefs, because everything has been great, but there are some things that I've seen uh, from not just the team, but from the coaching staff. Nevertheless, I don't want to get ahead of it, because we have to get to business first. Eddie Hour is here. We haven't. I feel like we haven't had much of the Eddie Hour over the last few weeks, right? but we're back. Eddie, take it over,
3: go, baby. What man? we got? Here we what go. Alright, man. I only got a few questions for you guys. then nothing, nothing too too crazy, nothing out of the ordinary. Hopefully, uh nothing to trigger Lens, which <laughs> I <laughs> hopefully
2: I was, you 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 want that shit. I, I,
3: I don't see a question here that can trigger Lens, well, we'll but let's go with the first one. What does Antonio Brown add
2: to the Bucks? A nutcase. I uh, look, I was the biggest Antonio Brown fan. When he was at his peak, when he was with the Brown, when he was with the uh, Steelers, I thought he was on pace to be the greatest receiver I had ever seen in my life. He was—he had the greatest six-year stretch we've ever seen in the history of the NFL from a wide receiver. It was unreal how great this guy was, and I say was because he is no longer great. I understand what Tom Brady sees in Antonio Brown. It's potential. He's still got talent. He's only 32. He's only 32 years old. He has not had any wear and tear on his body over the last year. The point, though, is you have to ask yourself, why is it that he hasn't had wear and tear on his body over the last year? It's not because of a Le'Veon Bell type of situation, where it's about money, or it's about not playing for a good team, or an injury. It's about the fact the guy's a lunatic. Antonio Brown is not there. And I'm not making light of the situation. It's a real problem. Antonio Brown has mental issues. And it has been shown time and time again over the last 16 months. It didn't work in Oakland. Okay, you can make the excuse of, well, that's the Oakland Raiders. A lot of things go awry there. Okay, I'll give that a pass. He goes to New England with Bill Belichick and within weeks is cut because of sexual allegations, because of him being a, a locker room cancer already. There are problems with Antonio Brown that are outside of football. If you could just get the football player, like if we were playing Madden, and you just get the player and not the personality and not the human being and not the brain, the Buccaneers just won the Super Bowl practically with the talent they just got. Unfortunately, there is a person attached to it, and you can't say, well, Tom Brady will fix it. He was with Tom Brady in New England, and it still failed, and teams didn't touch him, and the NFL had him on the exempt list. There is a problem deeper than football. If you look at it on paper, yes, it looks great, it looks sexy, it looks appealing, it looks like they can do something with that. I have no, ex- I have no expectations. I have zero expectations. I think this is going to blow up in the Buccaneers' face because Bruce Arians also said back in March there was zero chance he would ever sign Antonio Brown. Hmm. Something did change. I get that. The point remains, though, is that Bruce Arians had his reservations because of the person of Antonio Brown. I'm willing to bet this was a Tom Brady doing. The point remains, though. The person of Antonio Brown, we're going to sit here and convince ourselves that all of a sudden he's no longer insane. He is not there. It's not all there anymore. And I'm telling you guys, you're going to see the Buccaneers regret this decision. Okay, that's, first of all, let's not
1: act like this was just Tom Brady that, just, that was trying to get A.B. The initial team we heard was Russell Wilson and the Seahawks trying to get A.B. Mm-hmm. This is a great move by the team. Another
2: team that likes to give second chances.
1: Right, so this is a great move. It's a very... Very low risk, high reward because you're getting him for pennies. He could still very well be an elite receiver in this in this offense. In Bruce Arians' offense, he fits perfectly. Godwin can't stay healthy. I mean, none none other offensive players can stay healthy. They have of eighty year old Gronk. This is a perfect move for this team if they want to make a Super Bowl push. It makes all the sense in the world. I mean, he wanted to play with Tom Brady, which is why he forced his way out of Oakland. He never wanted to play in Oakland. That was never a thing. Hard Knocks was so hard to watch. It was an absolute joke. He was trying to get out of there the entire time. Oakland at that time is where you go to die. A lot of older players, aging players, is where they go to die. Uh, we saw Randy Moss and what happened when Randy Moss left Oakland. He went and played with Tom Brady and it worked. It was one of the best offenses we've ever seen in the NFL history. So I, I'm not saying that's the A-B. That is That A-B is what Randy Moss was at that time, but I think it's, a, it's an extremely – uh, Low-risk, high-reward move for, uh, for an already really good offense um, that's playing really well with a really good defense. Coached by Todd Bowles is one of the best, if not the best defensive coordinator in the league right now. Um, I think the move's great. Uh, I think if he can come in there, and, and he, can, he can be a nutcase all he wants off the field, but if he's performing on the field and keeping his nutcase-ish off the field at bay for until the end of the season at least, and then make a Super Bowl push, it works out for them. I, 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 it's, it's such a low risk. You can you can just cut them because you signed them for pennies. It's, it's like it's like us cutting. Imagine saying, Bell.
2: imagine saying Antonio Brown on low risk in the same breath. I understand the financial, the financial side of things, yes. It's low risk. That's all that matters. So, Trevor, you have to understand the ramifications that come with a guy like Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. You can just cut him and forget about him. Okay. It's like
1: if, if, if Le'Veon Bell goes out there this week and gets hurt, we cut him.
2: I get that. I, I, the physical side of things are all there. Antonio Brown checks out in so many different boards. It's the mental state of things. Okay, but you, you, bring, want, okay, but you wanted to keep uh, Kareem Hunt, right? Yes. Okay. We cannot. No, hold on. You, we mean? can't. We can't make that comparison. How? Because first of all, there's context to that. Kareem Hunt got cut because he lied, okay. not because he was some Not because of lock, of anything that he not, did. Not because of a locker room cancer. There's a difference. Okay. Antonio Brown was causing problems back in Pittsburgh, and Tony, okay, and Oakland, okay. and then and he he New got, England. Okay, but
1: then when Kareem got to to Cleveland. He got in trouble again. Absolutely. He has numerous cases on his resume. I'm not saying what he's done is to the extent. Not I mean, even close. because like A.B.'s had a lot more time yeah. to accumulate more cases. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, you wanted to keep Cream Hunt here. Absolutely. Even after he lied. I'm even opposed- after all
2: the things he Look, did do. I'm not opposed to Getting in to- fights at clubs. Kicking I don't women. Make, I mean, he did this. I don't want to make this into a, I'm against second chances. Yeah. I'm a well, second chance a second chance with A-B's. I wanted- is like number five. That's my point. Sure. Cream Hunt had his second chance and got it. Okay. Okay. That's what he's well, on he right now. Doing that too, and they still kept. Well, he almost, but he didn't. That's okay. the point. Antonio Brown has ruined his third and fourth chances. Okay, man. This okay. That, I, I, that's, so what it, that's what it's different. That's what they get low risk, though. I get that's
1: okay. not going to affect the
2: football. The team. point is there is not the same balance and structure in Tampa with Bruce Arians as there was in New England, and yet he still got cut in New England. Mm, I, I would. Just Bruce Arians that. is not the structure guy just, because Belichick and Tom Brady were already beefy. Bruce Arians is known famously in the NFL as a guy who cuts practice short to go drink. Sure. That is his style. Sure. Antonio Brown's fa- going to flourish in that? Maybe
1: maybe that fits his style. Maybe he, the, the loose the loose
2: structure? A guy like Antonio Brown needs structure. I don't know. Because because Mike Tomlin. Then this was, is chaos that I'm waiting for. I love Mike, it. I'm all for it. Okay, but Mike Tomlin was a very structured guy, right? And there was things that A.B. was still and doing. And it up. worked for six years. Uh, it blew up in their face. It blew. Okay, but they got the best years out of Antonio Brown. He was a Hall of sure, Famer That's before he lost his goddamn mind. But, okay, but go back to the Steelers and ask them, would you go back and deal with all that again to get the production? They did, yes, because they got the prime years out of Antonio Brown. He is no longer prime Antonio Brown. I'm just saying, when, when, when A.B.
1: came to the Patriots, week one he scored, and he had a really good game to start right off the gate. Against the dolphins i don't care it doesn't matter if you're if he's getting production that's all you that's all you're getting one of the best but offensive weapons in nfl history but what happened for pennies dude well why was he no longer there after week one I'm not, dude i'm not gonna argue that this dude is absolutely insane like, oj simpson was insane but these that are all-time is players everything
2: i'm arguing that's why it's not going to work in tampa bay i'm not saying it's going to work i'm saying if it does it's yeah. a genius move oh, i agree with that it's I not agree. gonna work okay the history is there. The last 16 months of uh, the body of work is there.
1: Okay. I'm just saying, I I don't think it's I think it's a, a, a absolute absolutely smart move, which is why Bruce Arians, a very smart coach, made the move. Uh Pete Carroll, one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, was was going to make the move if the Bucks didn't make the move. Sure. So tell those guys it's a dumb move. I would have it's a very
2: low. I absolutely would have. Okay. I think it's a dumb move to to touch Antonio Brown at this point. That's hmm. that's what saying. Hmm. all I say. All Mm-hmm. I, we got the receipts. Well, I'll, I'll gladly revisit this we just, conversation. We just brought
1: in the, the quarterback or the the running back that was talking shit on his coach. I'm, okay, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. yeah, who doesn't talk on Adam Gase? Who's a complete idiot. <laughs> okay, but he's on Twitter talking shit and liking stuff. That's like, not that's,
2: even. You're, you're making comparisons. And I'm not stuff saying, that, it's nothing same, I'm I'm saying that there are things that these guys do. <sighs> I'm not saying you gotta be a lamb. I'm saying that the things <laughs> Antonio Brown was doing, like sexual assault.
1: No, but what I'm saying is the the off the field issues. They have happen. text messages Team. of him
2: Team. talking in a way of basically raping a woman. I'm you good. can't compare Le'Veon Bill talking shit You're on his coach his to that.
1: Time. He's got that stuff wrapped up. That stuff's out the picture. He's got that stuff out of the picture. that's all taken care of. But he's the he's settlements still here, dude. Okay, he's still okay. He's still him as the person. He's also still him as the player.
2: Sure. Well, we'll see. I don't know. We don't know that. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I'm <laughs> sure there's other questions, Eddie. I apologize. I, I think it's. I
1: think it's. I mean, it's. 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 A, it's a win-win. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see.
2: Fuck. Yeah.
1: Both got triggered. By <laughs>
2: Already. I know you're sitting here talking about you won't get us triggered. I
3: was triggered. That's for sure. What the fuck? I should have said that for the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Next question. That. Uh, what team is a better landing spot for
2: a head coaching job, Rockets or OKC? What's OKC better situation. OKC, without question. OKC. Uh, reason why is there's I've, they have a future situation there. They can you can build a future team with the picks, with the young players they have there. The Rockets are in total shambles right now. You have a thirty, soon-to-be 31-year-old star in James Harden who cannot win in the postseason. You have a soon-to-be 32-year-old Russell – no, he's 32 now – 32-year-old Russell Westbrook who's getting significant pay. He's not worth it anymore, in my opinion, who can't win in the playoffs as a leader of the team. Harden. Yeah, exactly. So you have those two together, which is even worse than Kawhi and Paul George as a tandem. Uh, to win championships, so the Rockets. What are they? They're they're a middling team. They can't win the title, and they're not horrible. So if I'm a, if I'm a guy looking at both these teams, I'm like, okay, OKC has the potential. Yeah, they may not be the market of Houston. Sure, but you know how much work you'd have to put into Houston to make that? Especially now that Daryl Morey's out of the picture, and we can talk shit on Daryl Morey all we want. That guy has been an unbelievable GM in many regards. To be able to go get James Harden, to be able to go and get the play, the pieces they put together with Chris Paul, to be able to get him and James Harden who hate each other to play together, and if they just if Chris Paul had been healthy, they would have been in the finals in twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen rather. Mm. So. The Rockets are a mess. They're not going to be terrible. They're going to win 48 games next season, make the playoffs. But if I'm a coach, I'm like, I want to build my team. And I think that's the problem that Billy Donovan had is he wanted to build in a certain way. The Thunder didn't want that. He's like, okay, I'll go to a better market with Chicago and do the same thing I wanted to do in OKC. So the long, the roundabout way, I would definitely go OKC. I think there's some
1: context that you got to balance out here. I think for like an aged veteran, already embedded coach, I think Houston's the move because you can ship off – because I do believe Harden still has trade value. I think you could trade Harden and get some other pieces because Daryl Morey, as great as he is, he's very analytically driven. That's cool, but it has not worked. The small ball shooting 53s a game just hasn't worked. And when you come against teams that have legitimate bigs that can bully you, you fail. And that's what the Lakers did to them. They absolutely bullied them off the court because the analytics go out the window when man ball comes into play. And or when you face a LeBron James team, it's just analytics go out the window because he knows what you're going to do, and he knows how to beat almost any type of scheme you throw his way. So they, they kind of outsmarted themselves. I get it. it. It was a cool experiment. It just doesn't work. And plus, James Harden at the helm, just I don't know if that's a winning formula, to it's be not. honest. But I think if they landed another star – like another, like, like a Giannis or something like oh. that. That's like, I think that's what I'm saying. Like the context matters here because if you're a young coach that wants to make a name for himself that wants to come in and I think, okay, sees the move because you can, you can say that you built this team with those picks. You can, you can you know your your brand is the one that picked these, these players to come in here and you can kind of build something from the ground up and you're a young coach. These are young players. You can build them up and grow with them. But if, as like an, an age coach, like a, a Doc Rivers or something like, I know he just got hired, but like somebody like that, Houston would be the move. Um, both destinations are fairly good. I think OKC is the best overall though because there's so much it's, it's a young, they have young stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, all those all those picks, they can definitely make a, a Warriors type of you know, youth dynasty
2: in the making possible. And that's not picks. far from the truth. They really could they have, do what, that. Five first round picks? Yeah, and with the front oh, with the front office eight, they have. Eight Jesus, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah, with the front office they have. And, he, and, and to the, to that point, yeah, if you have a coach that comes into OKC and says, Hey, I want to trade these picks for Giannis. I want yeah, to trade these picks, yeah. Like you said, yeah. then OKC's the move, regardless of what side, what style yeah. you are, whether you're a veteran coach or a new coach. In my opinion, because there's all this potential, the riches of wealth in OKC, yeah. they can it's literally restart base. that it's thing and have base too. have themselves the 2011, 2012 Thunder again, where you got yourself a KD, Westbrook, uh, Harden, Ibaka type of team again. That's not far from the Thunder's potential. It's not a sexy. Got the right guys. Sexy, city.
1: I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, location is not, the location's not as sexy because Houston's a cool city.
3: Travel wise, it's great. Uh, OKC's traveling I love, wise, I love me some OKC is yeah. a fucking awesome city I'm just city. saying as far, I don't
2: know yeah, For, but like, for yes. a team traveling Oh it's great To be right in the yeah, middle Of the yeah. country It's yeah. beautiful That's Imagine true. being imagine, Remember they used to be In Seattle Ironically enough Talking about the Thunder When they were the Seattle Super Song Can you imagine Traveling from Seattle All over the country well, That'd and be OKC, awful
1: OKC fans are great Because there's not much Out there sports wise Yeah you know, Outside of like College football and just stuff. just like Kansas Oklahoma. City Green Bay They
3: put on a great show man. They love out there. They do It's awesome Yeah. Alright Yeah. Lance, I'm glad you brought up, uh, the word trading. Uh, so I want to hear your thoughts on this Lakers potential trading for 35 year old Chris Paul.
2: Um, I like, I like a lot of it because it's just the, the, just saying that out loud, Chris Paul playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that team's going to win the finals. Um, the concern I have is is what is the sacrifice to that? Because even with Chris Paul added, you have the star – that team would almost resemble identically to the 2011 heat, the 2010-2011 heat, where you have these three prolific players and then there's this significant drop-off from there where you're going to be relying on two – not one, but two 35-plus-year-old superstar players – Can they get it done? Would they get it done? Yes. If Chris Paul got traded right now to the Lakers, they are the significant, no questions asked, favorites. They're already the favorites now without Chris Paul. You add Chris Paul, they're significantly favorited. My point, though, is depth has to play its part in some form and fashion. So what do the Lakers do after Chris Paul? How do you build depth from around around that? Uh, you know, are you going to keep Kuzma? Are you going to trade uh, Danny Green? Those guys have to be moved. Javale McGee ain't coming back. Dwight Howard's going to get money somewhere unless he retires. There's a lot of moving pieces around those three players. Would I sign on for it? Hell yeah, I would because you're talking about a guy that could take off so much pressure from LeBron James, where he doesn't have to facilitate for 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. Rondo, as great as Rondo was in the playoffs, and he was awesome in the finals. Dude was incredible in the finals. Playoff Rondo was incredible. Chris Paul is three times the player that Rajon Rondo is. He is just as good of a facilitator. He is almost, I would say, right, right at the tip of being just as intellectually great for basketball style. He's just as good of a defender. He's a much better shooter. So... And he's only a year older, so it's not like you're getting a significantly older player. And they're about the same exact size. So you're upgrading at point guard if you get Chris Paul. So all signs, for the most part, would be a great move. I would just be concerned about making sure that you're getting adequate depth to bounce and get younger at the same time while you get older. Because you add Chris Paul, you get older just by nature.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the Lakers immediately get better if they make that move. Uh, And the experience, for one... I was going to bring up Rondo. Like w- w- what they got out of Rondo was amazing. But could you imagine you replacing Rondo with CP three in that move? I mean, you remember a couple years back in that Houston Rockets team. We'll go back to the talk about the Rockets with with how great Chris Paul was playing, and they were they were up on the, in that series against that really good that great string. Uh, yeah, that 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 great Warriors team, and yeah. they were they were blowing them out. They were doing them. So I mean. Chris Paul still ha- very much has it. He was one of the best players in the league last year. The most, most clutch, clutch yeah. most clutch player in the yeah. league. I mean, you've got, you got a point guard that one can facilitate damn near just as good as LeBron can, has the IQ, and and can go get a bucket, whether it's a three, whether it's a stop-and-pop mid-range, which is his go-to at the free-throw line yep. type shot. Yep. That's a very valuable thing. And, and he he's still one of the top point guard defenders in this league, perimeter defenders. So, I mean... That move, I, I think it's going to happen. I do think they make that move unless something, you know, he finds something else. But I mean, not only you're getting one of the best point guards of all time, you're getting a very motivated, not the most motivated CP three ever, because he still is ringless, you know, and he knows this is probably his best opportunity outside of his early days and and and, and LA with the Clippers. Those were great teams, and he knows that they failed. He knows they underachieved. Yeah. So this, the motivation is going to be insane.
2: And and, and LeBron is the godfather of Chris Paul's kid, right? Or kids, I believe. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, those
1: guys ball on the offseason friends. all the time together. They yeah. know each other's games so well. It makes so much sense The chemistry so would be in, Yeah, the chemistry would be insane for right. sure. So, yeah, I hope that move – I'm excited if that move happens because they can still go get another piece. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm all for it, man.
3: All right. And that will finally put Chris Paul with the Lakers. Yeah, right. No more vetoes. The right That's LA it. team, yeah. <laughs> um. All right, next question staying in the NBA. I want to hear your thoughts on the potential 72-game season – uh, that is supposed to end right before the Olympics kickoff. Kickoff in 2021, not kickoff or what is that jump off? What do you got? Tip, tip off.
2: Yeah, tip off. Whatever. <laughs> it's according to the league, you know. Kickoffs football, tip off basketball, throw off or bean <laughs> off is the baseball. Tip. I don't know, yeah, but tip, tip off. Tip, tip off. Jerk off. You know? <laughs> yeah. Before. It's sad, yeah. So
3: it's supposed to end before the 2021 uh, tip off yeah. of the Olympics. Yeah.
2: So, uh, What my thoughts are I, I love it um, for many reasons. For one, the part you didn't mention was the fact that it's going to start right around Christmas, which in my opinion, it's always been my opinion, that basketball, NBA season should always start in December. Reason why, because in October, November, no one's watching the NBA. At least, I mean, Trevor and I are avid NBA fans, but even I am, I'm a slow starter to the NBA season, because those first like 15, 20 games... Guys are still getting into basketball shape. No one's really playing lockdown defense yet. Like you're really just working your way into the season. And also, football is at its absolute peak during those times of the months. Of those months, so it, it, it's one of those uh, times where you you can just axe that out. Start the season around December, where people really start loving watching basketball. Every every Christmas, we know we got those six matchups where we just love watching basketball all day long. It keeps us company for some of us that don't have big families. Um, The point, though, is I think that's great in that regard. But in the one that you asked about the 72-game schedule, it's genius because of the fact that you now no longer have the excuse to load manage. You can't get Kawhi Leonard to say, I'm only going to play 54 games this year, 55 games this year. No, because you were playing 62-63 as a load manager. Now you have 72 games to work with. You can't use that, which means there'll be even fewer back-to-backs There'll be more stretches and further out games. So you're having two to three days rest on a normal basis. So Kawhi Leonard and guys like that can no longer use that excuse. And it does not hurt the ratings anymore where you're having primetime games where Kawhi's sending out. You don't have that anymore. They don't have that excuse. And then the league can justify fining guys for doing stuff like that. Plus, like I said, you're taking out 10 games to expedite the process of getting to the playoffs, which everybody really cares about. Because outside of baseball – People start to view basketball a lot more attentively once the playoffs start. A lot of people aren't watching regular season basketball. We do because, like I said, we're big-time NBA fans, but the casual fan isn't sitting here locked in at 7 o'clock every Tuesday night to watch basketball. Shit, I'm standing up until 1230 and watching Kings games. (laughs) We have a problem. That's my life. We have a problem. But the the normal person out there, (laughs) the people with a life, yeah, they're not doing that until the playoffs kick off. So to expedite the process, start the season later in the year, that's the way to do it. I'm so glad. And I guess like we talked about this on the show before, it can be a blessing in disguise. I mean, I know the pandemic's not a blessing, but it can be a blessing in disguise for some of these leagues to adjust their schedules as they always wanted to. They just now have an excuse to do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, at this point, who are we to, 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 you know, judge or second guess what Adam Silver and the NBA does. I mean, they, they absolutely did a masterful job at the bubble. It was incredible. You can talk about the ratings all you want. The ratings, around most sports have been pretty rough with the pandemic and everything going on. Cause people have been busy. People have been busy, not being busy and all kinds of shit going on in this world. So, um, I, I mean, I love it. It gives the league flexibility because, you know, it, it gives them space if they need to move a game or whatever. There, there's not, there's less games to work with, you know, so that they you know, move a game. They don't have to worry about, you know, restructuring the game ahead of that and the game ahead of that, because there's less games. And like you said, it, it gets rid of the, the load management theory and, 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 strategy there. Um, so I mean, I'm all for it. I just, I, I Anytime I'm ready for basketball. Anytime. Yeah. Starting around Christmas time is the ideal way. Um, it's like a holiday in itself and basketball starts up. I love those games. And those are always like some of the best matchups to watch. Uh, so, yeah, man, I I'm all for it. I don't know. The real question too, including that, I don't know if they're going to do the regional bubbles, if there's going to be a bubble. That's something to monitor too, because I, I think, I mean, who knows when this shit's going to you know blow over when none of us know. So I think I, 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 I want to like keep an eye on that too, see if they do with some kind of you know, regional bubble where they do it four or five different bubbles, depending on the location of teams and how they do with that, with traveling and all that, and how the schedule is going to work out. So I think there's, a there's gonna be a lot of moving parts, I think moving forward with the NBA, but it, yeah, the 72 and starting around Christmas time, I think is, is a good way to move on after what we just experienced with the bubble and the huge delay there.
3: Yeah. All right. Uh, last question for you guys. If the, if the Dodgers lose their third World Series in four years, is it time to let uh, let their manager go? Yes,
2: Dave Roberts absolutely. I love Dave Roberts. He's a one of the most uh, he had one of the most famous plays in Red Sox history when he stole that second base against Mario Rivera, which led to that three uh, zero down three zero comeback in two thousand four. Dave Roberts is a legend in baseball, um, and he's done an incredible job as the manager of the Dodgers. Unfortunately, if they were to drop this one third out of th- third straight. Uh, World Series loss out of four years. You're mm-hmm. talking about you're you're starting to like we talked about before the show, Eddie. You're starting to scrape into that Bills four straight S- Super Bowl losses. It's great you got there, and no one can ever take that away from you. You couldn't get one. Like there's going to have to be adequate changes because Kershaw's not going to get any younger. Yeah, that that team's going to start breaking apart because you're going to start seeing these other guys. I know the market is huge in LA, and they can resign a few of them, but they're not going to be able to get all of them back. Uh, it, it, you're going to have to start seeing that team change things up because although there was success, you didn't get the ultimate success. Um, I I think, though, just for the record, the Dodgers are going to get this series. Yeah. Um, I said before um, that the Braves are going to beat the Rays. That was one game for my prediction to be right. As long as the Astros lost, you know, that's all the, Yeah, no shit. All but the NL, the NL has been so much stronger this year than the AL. Uh, I know the AL had good teams. The, the Rays have maybe the best bullpen in baseball. The Yankees have maybe the most talent in baseball outside of the Dodgers, them. but the NL as a whole was such a great league, and you you saw the the Braves and Dodgers have to fight and claw for that. The Dodgers have been so close. I think they're going to finally get it, and Kershaw's going to finally get that ring and be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Same with Mookie Betts, because yep. this will be a second, and My it's. Gosh. I think it'll. I think he'll get a World Series MVP. And, and solidify himself as a Hall of Famer as well. I think Dave Roberts is going to be safe because they're going to get this one.
1: Yeah, Mookie Betts was that do-it-all missing piece for this team. I mean, that just that's why I said when we did our predictions to start throwback. the season, he was the guy that's going to put that, that Dodgers team over the top. They were already good almost everywhere around, but they needed a, a Mr. Fix-It, a do-it-all guy that literally does everything. An MVP. Yeah, I mean, if you needed to go close a game, I'm sure he can get on the mound and close a game too. <laughs> Mookie's just a, an absolute freak athlete, speedster, good bat, glove, everything you need in a guy. He's, he's – He's right up there with you know some of the you know at top of the. You list can make the, the case best. he's the best player in baseball. Right, right that's now. an argument you really that's can. Been circulating
2: a little bit. Lately, I know Mike Trout I, is undefeated in some regards. But yeah, and the Dodgers are the, there. In
1: this series, the Dodgers over the Rays are just the overwhelming favorite. I just I think they close. I think they're blowing them out. Last time I checked tonight, but um, yeah, I think they get it done this year, and that solidifies his job and, and keeps his job safe for the next few years at least. All
3: right, and the Dodgers are up on the. Was it top of the seventh? Mm-hmm. Uh six one.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're
3: up 5-0
2: last I saw, so. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's it for me, guys. Good stuff, man. That was a- I liked how, like, it started off hot and heavy and it just, like, mm-hmm. gradually worked itself a yeah, very I, monotone. Like cool. it, like we're in a, like a coffee shop kind of like conversation. First. <laughs> <laughs> we had the cigarette <laughs> afterwards, yeah.
1: <laughs> we had the climax <laughs> versus the <laughs> cigarette
3: afterwards.
1: So
2: tell me, guys. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we're in a jazz lounge now. I wasn't expecting you guys to get triggered with uh, the first I mean, so. that's a hot
2: topic, though. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, guys. Uh, when we get back, we are going to review... Uh, the Bills and Chiefs game a little bit, and then move right into the preview of the Chiefs-Broncos. Cannot wait to talk about this, guys. We'll get back to that after this. It It is time for the Monday Mailbag, what we like to do each and every week is give you guys the platform, you the listening, the viewing audience an opportunity to Take over the show for an entire segment where we get your guys' questions, your concerns, your face, your topics, your... Whatever it is on your mind, man, we give you guys that opportunity each and every Monday on our Facebook group. So join us on The Spoken and uh, join the Monday Mailbag Weekly uh, participation. So Trevor, no less, because our guy Eddie actually had to duck out. It's the price we pay for having our guy with a future career in criminal justice. And criminology. He has to go home and get some homework done, so we appreciate him for being here in the studio while he could be, but it's just us Twidwells now in the house. So, Trevor, what is in the Monday mailbag?
1: Yeah, sorry guys, I don't have the golden voice that Eddie has, but uh, okay, okay, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so question number one.
1: Uh, okay, so obviously, we have the first three questions are Donnie Couch. Um, so Donnie's first question is. Uh, some of the stuff I think we already touched on, but I'll go ahead and just kind of skim through it. Um, he says, hey, guys, how are you guys doing? Um, today, I hope I hope it's great. I'm glad that I get to ask the questions on this Tuesday mailbag.
2: That's
1: uh, my bad. <laughs> now that we have seen this dominant run gaming KC, will the Chiefs have the best RB duo in AFC when Le'Veon steps on the field?
2: Well, first and foremost, uh, things are going pretty solid for me, uh, Donnie. So we appreciate you... Uh, asking i hope everything's good with you and your family and uh yeah man to uh, get to your question i would say that it's hard for me to picture a better duo just on paper than what the chiefs have now obviously they have to go out and prove it um, uh, Clyde has done, has been nothing short of remarkable this season. Uh, he's second in scrimmage yards and he's second in brushing yards. I believe this season only to Derrick Henry, Derrick John Henry. Mm. So that's not somebody to to be upset about to be trailing. Cause it seems like every defense is trailing him as he chugs down the field. Um, but on paper, I don't think there's any question when it comes to talent experience now sprinkled in with there with, uh, with the uh, Le'Veon Bell I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to say that if I was to build a running back duo just based upon what I know from these two guys, I would say, yeah, I would say this is the best in the AFC.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's even close in the AFC because there's not a legitimate duo really anywhere else. I would say maybe the Chargers did have Eckler uh, and Eckler and, and 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 Justin Jackson. But even with that one, I but, might still take. the But Chiefs. those two guys are always banged up. Yeah, uh, Kelly's been okay. Um, but as far as like a duo, there's not. Really, a, another great duo in the AFC.
2: I mean, it's just not D- Derek John Henry and uh, what's his name? Is, is it a um, God, the guy that used to play for the is it the Patriots or um, I forget, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's Derek Henry you know, you and James Conner yeah. with the
1: Pittsburgh Steelers, who I like James Conner a lot, but they don't, he's l- like legitimately a, a workhorse cor- uh, running back, yeah. they don't really play anybody else. Um, you got Kareem Hunt, obviously. Yeah, Nick Chubb's hurt though. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. But so I mean, outside of that duo when they're healthy, I think that is probably, That's probably the, the best. The best as far as like you know, as far as the age. But I mean, we have a first round pick running back, and then one of the greats of this generation in Le'Veon Bill. So I mean, right now, yeah, it's not a question to me. Uh, so Donnie's next question is Is Nick Allegretti another fantastic pick by Brett Beach and did he win the starting job?
2: Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get too far ahead of it right now. I think Allegretti has has looked really good. Um, he has a lot more to prove before I start really sprinkling on the praise of, of Brett Veach finding another gem. Yeah. At this point, though, Allegretti has surpassed all expectation because he had none. Uh, most, if Chiefs fans were being honest, most Chiefs fans didn't even know he existed right. while he was on this roster. Uh, so, yeah, I think that as it looks, the on-pace the on factor, I would say that, yeah, Brett Veach is actually – Veach season is in full effect when it comes to Allegretti and guys like that because I had zero expectation with Allegretti. He was not penciled in to ever become an adequate replacement for anybody. Hmm. So I am more than happy and more than pleased that he has superseded all expectations, like, again, like I said, which was none.
1: Yeah, I mean, is it a good pick? Sure. I mean, he performed well when he was called upon, so that that alone is a good pick. Uh, dude, I think he went in the starting job. No, I'm not convinced of that yet. Cause we've seen it time and time again, not in this, not just the chiefs, but in football in general, we've seen good offensive linemen go down if, and, and reserve players come in and play good for a game, maybe two, but the consistency is what you're looking for. You know, if he does, if he strings, you know, a good couple starts together, then I'll probably start, you know, gaining some traction. Maybe he'll, there'll be a controversy in the starting lineup, uh, for our, our, our O line here. I mean, Whatever it takes to to protect Pat, and in my mind, I don't care who it is. I want the grittiest, nastiest guys in the trenches at all times. I don't care if you think you're more talented. I want grit, and that's what they showed this past game, and I fell in love with it. I love what I saw. Um, I want that toughness, man. So I don't care what name is on the back of the jersey as long as you're protecting our most valued asset on this team. Um, Next question is, uh, a lot of people are talking about how good Anthony Hitchens has been playing this year, except Craig Stout. <laughs> are you guys surprised? Shout out, Craig. Are you guys surprised how good Hitchens has played?
2: I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Only because I, I know Hitchens can rack up the tackle totals, but he, he's been awful in coverage. This year, it looks like Hitchens is really trying to fight for his job. Yeah. And even though he's safe in most regards, uh um, yeah, I think Hitchens is playing motivated football. I think he's playing aggressive. He's been accurately great in open field tackles this year. I mean, I'm not the biggest Hitchens fan because I feel like he gets a lot of uh, passes when he shouldn't, because he's been in a lot of ways. Like, again, it, people look at the box scores and think he had a great game. There's a lot of times Hitchens has been awful with 11 tackles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's been games where he was awful with 11 tackles. Yeah. So if you look at the box, you're like, oh, damn, he, he looked amazing. You know, he led the he led the team in tackles this year. That's not how you look at a linebacker, man. He's got to be able to cover. He's got to be able to close out. He's got to be able to contest passes to linebackers and running backs. He's got to be like I said, open field tackles, things like that. There's more context to it. But at the same time, I think Hitchens has got a solid B-plus on the season so far. I want to see him get better again. On the Like I said, on one of the past defenses, I want to see him get a little bit better. I don't know if it's there. I think Hitchens is, what, 28, 29 years old now? Mm-hmm. It's just kind of who he is. This is as good as it's ever going to be with Hitchens. So if this is as good as Hitchens can be, I'm going to give him a B plus on the season so far.
1: Yeah, I I, I like the aggression he's been playing with. He's been very, he's he's like noticeably more aggressive. Noticeably more like. Uh, you can just see it in his in His his, his approach. He's, he's, being, he's playing more angry. Yeah. I like it. I don't know if his production's really showing it. I just think it's because our linebacker core is so bad, he just happens to stand out amongst the shit.
2: Yeah. I mean, imagine <laughs> sitting next to Ben Neiman and, yeah, and, not, and looking bad. I don't you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think
1: Hitchens is a very mediocre player. I liked the signing initially when we brought him in because, he, if we're all being honest, he played well in Dallas. He did. He was very good over there. His numbers showed. Um, he was productive. And that, we were starved for a middle linebacker or a linebacker just in general after DJ left, you know? And, um, so it left a very big vacancy in that part of our defense and still is, I mean, that's that's by far our weakest point of our their entire roster. Um, so any production out of the linebacker core is going to show out because it's going to stand out amongst the crowd because they've all been really bad. Um, so I hope it continues to build upon that. I hope that's something that we can build upon moving forward because we're going to need it, especially in the big games and once the playoffs times come around. Um, by that by that time, I hope Gay is more acclimated and yeah. uh, becomes the guy because that's the goal. That's what we drafted him for, and he's been getting more snaps. But yeah, I mean, Hitchens, I like him as a guy. Um, his production's not been very good. He's, I, but I mean, if he can continue that leadership, just with his voice and the, just the, and the anger he's shown out there, and him willing to you know throw his body around, that's all we really ask for, I man. I, mean, I, I don't think you can ask him to be a better player than he is. I think he's going to be who he is. But at least, you know, have the mentality that you're going to go out there and be nasty and, and make the hits. and Maybe possibly every once in a while, tackle a running back before he breaks the first tackle. You know, meet somebody in the backfield and make the tackle. That's what we want. As long as you're making the tackles when you're the guy that's, that's initiating the contact, make the tackle. You're not going to get much of a gripe from me. Uh, next question is, how does the officiating need to be for Andy Reid to get that mad?
2: Oh, Not it's bad. gotta be! Yes. It's gotta be terrible. The last time I saw him like he that was, was against the furious. Rams in 2018 on that Monday Night Football game yeah. when they were. It felt like the officials, just like this Bill game, Bills game, yeah. was just literally intentionally screwing the, the Chiefs. The it's been horrible. It's, it's been horrible, and I think Andy Reid more than anything. I don't think he was mad about the officials being so bad. I think he was pissed at the fact that they weren't giving him the measurement on a third down. It mm-hmm. was a potential fourth down because of the fact that you saw the way that they were officiating the Bills and how they just yeah. gave Josh Allen that uh, first down without looking like at it. And he stepped out of bounds. Yeah, the P.I. is no question yeah, to ask. Yeah. And then Andy Reid doesn't get a measurement on a third down attempt, on a fourth right. down play. Like I, I think that's what pissed him off because he knows how this game is supposed to go. He knows yeah. how officials are supposed to officiate a game and they weren't doing their job correctly. I mean, they were they were horrible yeah. in that game. I think there was a point, I think going into the, into, almost into the fourth quarter, the Bills didn't have a single penalty. Yeah. Like that's, that's an excuse. Oh, the PIs were the only thing keeping that
1: pretty, oh, for, for the most part, the PIs are the right. main reason they were even scoring position 90% of the time. So the bills weren't like out there lighting it up. They were getting good calls and it got them into, it got them into the red zone. That's right. the only reason that they got. So yeah, the officiating was absolutely poor. Um, They didn't allow guys to play on both sides. Um, they let the, the, you know, the chiefs, we didn't get those calls. We weren't getting the PI calls or anything like that. So I think, I think it'll level out. It'll balance out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't leave it up to the officials, and I think we, we did a good job at, at, at surviving those bad calls and, and continuing our game plan and, and the patience of our coaching staff at Patrick Mahomes to live through those bad penalties and continue to to be structure, structured structured and, and keep running the ball. And we did that, and we came out with the victory. Um, so, yeah, those were bad calls, man, but we, we made it through. We won the game. That's all that matters. Uh, next question, Donnie Couch again. There are rumors that the New York Jets could pass up on a second-round pick for Quinnen Williams – if you're Brett Beach, are you picking up the phone? We do have money to spend. because We got love for. The
2: Quentin time. Williams would be an immediate upgrade, and he would help significantly.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I would imagine though you'd have to pay him long term. I don't know if I want to do that or not. I and mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Trevor. But hasn't Quentin Williams had some injury problems? Yeah. So I don't know if I want to serve serve yeah. long term to a guy that has injury problems especially on a team that's already been spending so much money. Quentin Williams would be a long-term investment. I don't know if I want to attach myself to three to five years to Quentin Williams. This season, if he was just a rental and that was it, Mm
4: -hmm. oh,
2: hell yeah. Give me me Quentin Williams. And I'd give him a second-round pick because I think he would give me second-round value for the 2020 season. But is he going to be a sustainable piece in 2021, 2022, 2023, and do the Chiefs want that? I'm going to say no. So I'm going to say I would be on board for this year but I don't think it's realistic so I'm going to say it's not going to happen and I I wouldn't ultimately do it.
1: Yeah, it's a fun thought. I mean, the Chiefs are always seem to be with since Brett Beach has taken over, seem to be one of those teams that's always out there, you know, putting their name in the hat. Great, which I love. I love it because it's it's that's how I am, you know. I like I'm I'm the fantasy player that's always offering trades to people. You know, just that that and I feel like that's kind of how Brett Beach uh, you know, approaches his job and I love it. He's very aggressive. Uh, I just don't think this is one of the moves that are, that is ideal for the Chiefs. It doesn't make too much sense. I think we'll be okay uh, unless there's other names. I mean, before the trade deadline, there's always names that come up. You know, there's always teams that, that tend to know their their fate for the season and they they, they tend to ship out pieces um, on the cheap to kind of, you know, clean house. And I think the Jets obviously are one of those teams. The Atlanta Falcons could be one of those teams. The Minnesota Vikings could be one of those teams. And, you know, we saw Gakway just got moved. You know, so there's going to be good players that are going to be moved around. Do we need to make a move? No. I don't think it's necessarily to go after Quinnen. Uh, next question, uh, Donnie Couch. Should we play Travis Kelsey at fullback more? And if we do this, the end is this the end of the sausage? No, no. I yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I think the sausage is fine. He's just he's been extremely valuable, and he is one of the best at his position. <laughs> So, no, Travis Kelsey no. doesn't need to play fullback. Travis He's
2: Kelsey's is very valuable tight end. tight end. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll keep him there. Next
1: question, Donnie. Uh, I believe this is the last question from Donnie. Um, yeah, last question. Where do the Chiefs lose again?
2: Uh, I mean, look, I've, I'm going to hold on to the principle that I believe only the Chiefs can beat the Chiefs uh, until proven otherwise. Uh, Give respect to respect is due on the Raiders, but I think that the Chiefs just, like I said, did not – Uh, coming to that game with the right mentality, and they got their asses kicked on the defensive side for sure. Mm. Um, If I I mean, look, I I revoked my uh, Bills loss that I initially had. I revoked my Saints loss that I initially had. I'm going to stick to those. Um, The rest of the schedule, the Chiefs actually amongst all contenders have the easiest schedule left. So I think at this point, and that maybe Trevor will agree, disagree with me on this one. At this point, I think there's a better chance that the Chiefs run the table
4: yeah. than
2: lose another game. Having said that, I mean, this is the NFL, man. I don't want to sound cliche here, but it could happen where the Chiefs do drop a game to the Panthers or they do drop a game. To, I mean, the Buccaneers are not a team you're just going to push over and look over. The Buccaneers could win that game. It's in Tampa Bay. They're loaded as fuck. They got a good coaching staff. I mean, it could be that day where the Bucs just haven't and the Chiefs just don't. Am I going to pick the Bucs? No. But I I could see another loss. But I, 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 the, I guess the real question would be, do I see two more losses? And that answer is definitively no. So I think I think the Chiefs, at worst, are going to finish the season 14-2 and two just because, like I said, the schedule so damn soft and the Chiefs are so damn good. And I don't think people realize, and I, I try to explain it on the opening monologue, to add Le'Veon Bell to this offense – I don't think people understand how great that's going to be. I think I think certain people do, sure. people that know football, like you've seen Ryan Clark and a lot of other football guys. No one has pushed back except Brett Favre, who's Obviously just been a complete jackass yeah. on his last few stances. <laughs> but that's, re- that's either here or there. The point is, L'Avian Bill is going to take this offense, to even, at an even more significantly great level. They're only going to get healthier because Mitchell Schwartz is going to be back with a better back, and I think that this team is just going to start clicking at the end of the season. Sammy Watkins will be back as well. But I could see another loss. I, I definitely could. And I think it, it, it. there's a chance it could happen, but I think the Chiefs are going to run the table. Yeah, I mean, the the the, Bucks,
1: the Saints, and the Chargers are, in my mind, are the three toughest teams we have. Because the Chargers just know how to play us, man. And it was a close one last time. And it's a rematch. Herbert's got confidence. Yeah, I mean, this is, and it's another game that we play each other and know each other even more this next time. And I can see you know Herbert is getting better. I mean, that was his first start against us, man. He balled out. And, Kids he, good. He, and he made and if he didn't make that big mistake by throwing that cross field pick, they might have beaten us. You know, so that's that's to me, they've proven to be a tough matchup for us. It just is what it is. You have to accept it. It's a tough matchup. Um, I think we'll get up for it, and I think we won't let it happen and get as close as it was as last time. But that's a good defense, man. And and Herbert is 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 a star in the making, it's looking like. So them, the Saints are always a tough team to play. Um, I think we'll beat them. But the Bucks definitely, as far as talent, as far as roster top to bottom, as far as stacking up against us, uh, stacking our, our roster up against their roster, that's about equally as match game as you can get. Tom Brady's been playing well. Um, he's, he's surrounded by an absolutely talented roster. So, I mean, if they're healthy and we're healthy, that's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, that could be a 65-point over-under over there. So, um, yeah, I think those are the only three teams that I think will actually have a chance of beating us or us losing to. So, uh, I believe- like, yeah, I, I agree. I think our chances are higher of running the table and moving moving forward because I think we're just going to get better as the year goes on, um, and Pat tends to get better as the year goes on. Um, so, yeah, I I don't. I'm per- fairly confident in uh, the the win loss record moving forward. So, uh, Michael Hernandez, um, I love Tua, but why are the Dolphins pulling Fitzpatrick and and when they are in second with Fitzpatrick, please discuss.
2: I am so glad this topic was brought up. I was hoping Eddie would bring it up in the Eddie Hour, but we got it in the mailbag, so therefore... It is an
1: interesting thing, man. Okay,
2: look. I am one of the biggest Ryan Fitzpatrick's fans, and and we owe him a lot here in Kansas City for what he did in Week 17 of last season in New, New England. And I love his passion. I love his zeal. I love his competitive nature. I love everything about Ryan Fitzpatrick. But can we be real for a second, guys? The Dolphins took Tua... At number five, he is the future of this franchise. Brian Flores wanted to ease him into this season, know that he was fully healthy, and let him work his way into this team. It's the perfect situation. I said this weeks ago. It is the perfect time for Tua to come in. Why? They just played the Jets, which is by far the worst team in the NFL. You get a bye week. Now the schedule conflicted. Now you have the Rams, but you have the Jets again in two weeks. Mm. This is the perfect time. And I know everyone loves Ryan Fitzpatrick. But Guys, we can't pretend like Ryan Fitzpatrick, one, was the franchise quarterback here and they decided just to pull him. And two, we can't act as if we didn't know this was going to happen anyway. So as much as we love and, oh, I feel so bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't. Because he had his opportunity and it's not like he had to win this job or prove his worth we all knew it was coming to an end eventually. This season It was just a matter of when, not if. Now, what does suck is how we found out. Supposedly, from what I was hearing, Tua got the Tua got the got the tip. He heard a couple weeks ago that he was going to be taking over after the Jets game. So what happened was Tua started telling some friends, and wow. you guys know all the rest of the story. How it goes? People start talking. It gets spread like wildfire. Ryan Fitzpatrick. He supposedly his son found out from uh, TV and radio and tweets and all that stuff before they even found out of his father and Ryan Fitzpatrick and his son are very close. So I know that part hurt and I'm not going to sit here and try to play that downplay that part because I know that had to have been rough because this is probably Ryan Fitzpatrick's last season in the NFL. Hmm. He's 38 years old. At the same time, this is what was going to happen all along. We all knew it. And if you didn't, where the hell have you been? Tua it was going to take over eventually, and this is the perfect time. This is the time I thought it was going to happen. We just need to accept it, man. And this is going to be a non-story in three weeks because I think Tua is going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick, I love him. He's fun for fantasy. He's fun to watch. He's, players love to play for him. His receivers, his running backs, his, his fellow players love to play with him. He's, and even Brandon Marshall on, on First Things First talks about that's his favorite player he ever played with. That Jets team was the funnest years of his, of his career, He's just a fun guy. He's a Harvard grad, undrafted free agent that made the league and is, and is overachieved in his career, if we're being honest. Numbers, he's had good numbers. He's had some really bad years. And some, he's, just a, he's a journeyman, right? And it, Look, what, we're, what I'm not going to do is try to tell Coach Flores what he sees and doesn't see in Tua. That coaching staff watches Tua at practice. You don't think they're going to put the better guy in eventually? Tua is a top five draft. It could have, been, could have went number one. It would have went number one if he wasn't hurt. You know, if he goes out there and he sucks, Fitzmagic can get back in there. Who knows? But I, I fully believe that this coaching staff watched Tua at practice. It's glaringly obvious who the better quarterback is. And if, honestly, yeah, we could talk about Fitzmagic playing well. And could possibly be a, a playoff team, which is in the reality this year. That's po- that's very possible if the Patriots start to go down and say Cam gets hurt or they start playing well. You know who knows that division's definitely up for grabs right now. Tua can make that team take the next step. You don't think Tua being the better player can make that team better? It's it's a football decision when it what it comes down to. Tua is by far the better player. He's by far the better talent. And if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, I am stoked. Hell yeah! This is this is similar to what we wanted when Patrick was Mahomes was just about was, to say was, that. Was there year one when we knew I'm what, envious? Yeah, we were. I mean, everyone liked Alex Smith, but the people that knew why we drafted Patrick Mahomes to be the guy, we wanted him in year one. We wanted to be we his, had been in the Super
2: Bowl in 2017. Regardless, Peter yeah, regardless it. of how raw
1: his talent was, but Tua was even Tua was even more prepared for the NFL than Pat was. Pat was wa- way more raw than Tua is. Tua played in a very big school you know he's he's big he's, games yeah he's prepped yeah. he's prepped for this the only thing that's knocked on him is his injury and it was a major hip injury which i get it but if he's performing well in practice and he's looking like the outright better player it, it makes too much sense to put the better player on the field it makes too much sense <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited i'm a big Tua fan as well i love his story you know him you know just his background everything the where he's what he's come from what he's overcome i'm excited for the kid uh, it could make it could make Dolphins football great again. That's definitely a possibility. they got a young team over there, a young wide receiver core, uh, great coach and Coach Flores. I like him. I like his style. He's very aggressive. Um, so I'm excited for it. But, yeah, I mean, Fitzmagic was a it, stopgap. We knew what it was. We knew what he's been his whole career. It's fun. It's sexy at times, but it's two a time. Uh, last question, Billy Hodge. Um, my question is for Lance. After Monday after Monday's win against the Bills, Mahomes only threw the ball twenty-five times and against the Ravens, he threw the ball forty-three times. What offense do you like to see more of? What do you like to see more there's
2: of? There's no question I want to see a balanced attack.
1: Yeah.
2: Um you you want to keep the defense on its on its heels constantly. You want to keep the defense guessing because as fun as it is, to, I, I there is nobody that loves a, a a big game for Patrick Holmes more than me. I love seeing him go out and throw five touchdowns. One of my favorite games uh, of Patrick Mahomes' career to this point was actually Week Two of 2018 against the Steelers. Man,
1: six, where, yeah, where
2: he threw six damn touchdowns, had maybe the most efficient game of his career, and they won by five. Yeah, like they threw, they put up 42 points and won by five. For me, I have to believe that you you, you bring that down a notch and you control the ball a little bit and time possession a little bit. The Steelers in that game have fewer chances. Ben gets a little desperate, throws a couple picks. Chiefs win by 13. Now, win's a win, but on a consistent basis, I want to see this offense – have a balanced, healthy attack to where you're evol- involving even more offensive weapons because Patrick Mahomes throws to everybody. But when you have a running attack going, you're getting even more people involved because Clyde, to this point, hasn't been great in the passing game. So you almost have to like consider him out of the equation when Patrick's throwing the ball 40-plus times. You take down his pass attempts from 43 to 25. That means that Clyde's get 8 to 12 more touches To me, this offense only gets better that way. And again, like I said earlier, now that the league knows, okay, we can't let Patrick Mahomes do what he does with the magic, now you're a step ahead with an incredibly great, and I will say a great running attack, and then you sprinkle Le'Veon Bell into the equation, I think it's a no-brainer. It might be sexier with Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball more, but when he throws less, that means you have more control of the game. And that means that wins are going to be coming a lot more easier for the Chiefs, who already win all their games, it seems, every single week. You want to make it easier on Patrick Mahomes. Make it easier on him. Run the ball more. I'm all for it.
1: Yeah, it's not, for me, it's not about picking and choosing which offense we liked better. This last week, this game against the Bills was a pendulum game. The pendulum swung so far the other way, and we just outright proved that we can play that kind of ball, too, if we really want to. So it's a matter of me of uh, we're going to be a balanced attack, but this was proving that we can be that the absolute run heavy offense, even with Patrick Mahomes uh, at the helm, not having to throw the ball over the field to win games. We wanted to prove, after all that talks that's been going around against about the you know the scary zone defense against, with, uh, you know that's that's the formula to stop Patrick Mahomes. It, we had to put that to bed, and we made sure and made a statement and put that to bed last on game. national television, right against one of the better teams on our schedule. Um. So, and the team that does that very that very type of offense very very well, and we beat them at their own game. So it was just a pendulum game. I expect the pendulum to swing back more towards the middle. Um. But I mean, how privileged are we as Chiefs fans to know <laughs> that we have a quarterback that, if we needed to, can throw the ball <laughs> over the field and win that way, and we also it's fun can throw can can run the ball down your throat, <laughs> and especially like you said with Le'Veon Bell, who I think is going to improve. The passing game almost maybe just as much as the running game because he's so deadly. I in the think passing. more so because he's yeah. also his his pass. He is, is elite. He can run slot routes. Yeah. I mean, quick slants with
2: Le'Veon Bell. Good luck, and he's an extra offensive lineman back there too. Hey, man! Yeah, yeah, and his patience is—he's gonna, going to teach Clyde patience. Because we also got to remember, guys—not to delve off onto the Le'Veon Bell thing again, but we can't help but gloss over it. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, is that Le'Veon Bell's body style or body size is significantly better oh, yeah. than Clyde's. In the zone, he's six two two forty. He's going to get a
1: lot of the goal line work. I fully believe. Yeah, though.
2: I mean, Derrick Henry's huge. Yeah, Derrick Henry's not that much bigger than Le'Veon though. Yeah. He's 10 pounds more, maybe an inch taller. Like, that's that's the kind of running me, back bro, the Chiefs just got. i a
1: big Le'Veon oh, yeah. and I and I've hated him over the years because he's killed us every so, single time. The
2: evolution cause. of the Chiefs' offense is showing right in front of our face. Trevor yeah. made the great point of that was a pendulum swing game in, in Buffalo. They said, okay – We'll just run the shit out of the ball and yeah. kill you by death of a, of a thousand cuts. Yeah, and I'm
1: saying that's why it's, we're so privileged because not every team can just do
2: that. And it's so fun to think, like, oh, how are the Chiefs going to win the game this week? Yeah. Is Patty going to go out there and throw four touchdowns? Right. Or are we going to run the ball for, you know, 45 There's times? There's only a couple of teams that I, I can really say
1: that can actually do that. I think that the Titans can do that. Obviously, they have the running back that can do that. And Tana, Tana has been playing on his mind. When he wants to throw, he's incredible. Green Bay maybe Aaron Jones, but he, he's hard to stay healthy. And then I think uh, uh, um, uh, the Steelers obviously can do that as well. They can definitely, you know, run the ball down your throat. Uh, and then Big Ben can sling it for six touchdowns if he wants. So, um, yeah, I just think, man, I I just think it was just one of those situations where we wanted to prove something. We went out there and we did it to the extreme. Yep. You know, we did something Andy Reid's never really even done before is run the ball that many times with, with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. So, yeah with that man that was the last question uh that wraps up the mailbag so
2: good mailbag guys i apologize for the tuesday mailbag i work harder on that i promise you i will not let you guys down and if i do i'll just tell you that again uh but in the meantime we have one more order of business it's weird we're on short order tonight but uh trev what's called hold this L. It is time for the Monday Mailbag, what we like to do each and every week is to give you guys the platform, you the listening, the viewing audience an opportunity to take over the show for an entire segment where we get your guys' questions, your concerns, your face, your topic, your, whatever it is on your mind, man, we give you guys that opportunity each and every Monday on our Facebook groups to join us on the Spoken and uh, join the Monday Mailbag weekly uh, participation. So Trevor, no less, because our guy Eddie actually had to duck out. It's the price we pay for having our guy with a future career in uh, criminal justice and criminology. He has to go home and get some homework done. So we appreciate him for being here in the studio while he could be, but it's just us Twidwells now in the house. So Trevor, what is in the Monday mailbag? Yeah, sorry guys. I don't have the
1: golden voice that Eddie has, but... Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so question number one. <laughs> uh, okay, so obviously we have the first three questions are Donnie Couch. Um <laughs> So Don, Donnie's first question is uh, some of the stuff I think we already touched on, but I'll go ahead and just kind of skim through it. Um, he says, hey, guys, how are you guys doing um, today? I hope I hope it's great. I'm glad that I get to ask the questions on this Tuesday mailbag. That's uh, my bad. <laughs> now that we have seen this dominant run gaming KC, will the Chiefs have the best RB duo in the AFC when Le'Veon steps on the field?
2: Well, first and foremost, uh, things are going pretty solid for me, uh, Donnie. So we appreciate you uh, – Asking, I hope everything's good with you and your family. And uh, yeah, man, to uh, get to your question, I would say that it's hard for me to picture a better duo just on paper than what the Chiefs have. Now, obviously, they have to go out and prove it. Uh, Clyde has done has been nothing short of remarkable this season. Uh, he's second in scrimmage yards, and he's second in brushing yards, I believe, this season, only to Derrick Henry, Derrick John Henry. Mm. So that's not somebody to, to be upset about to be trailing because it seems like every defense is trailing him as he chugs down the field. Um, but on paper, I don't think there's any question when it comes to talent. Experience now sprinkled in with, their, with, uh, with uh, Le'Veon Bell. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to say that if I was to build a running back duo just based upon what I know from these two guys, I would say yeah, I would say this is the best in the AFC.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's even close in the AFC because there's not a legitimate duo really anywhere else. I would say maybe the Chargers did have Eckler uh, and Eckler and and, and and Justin Jackson. But even with that one, I but, might still take the chance. But Chiefs. those two guys are always banged up. Yeah. Uh Kelly's been okay. Um, but as far as like a duo, there's not. Really, a, another great duo in the AFC. I mean, he's just not
2: D- Derek John Henry and uh, what's his name? Is, is it a uh, um, God, the guy that used to play for the was it the Patriots or um, I forget, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's Derek Henry and that's James Connor Henry. Yeah. with the
1: Pittsburgh Steelers, who I like James Conner a lot, but they don't, he's l- like legitimately a, a workhorse cor- a running back, yeah. they don't really play anybody else. Um, you got Kram Hunt, obviously.
2: Yeah, Nick Chubb's hurt though.
1: That's the thing. Yeah, yeah but so I mean outside of that duo when they're healthy, I think that is probably, That's probably the, the best. The best as far as like you know, as far as the age. But I mean, we have a first round pick running back and then one of the greats of this generation in Le'Veon Bill. So I mean, right now, yeah, it's not a question to me. Uh so Donnie's next question is Is Nick Allegretti another fantastic pick by Brett Beach and did he win the starting job?
2: Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get too far ahead of it right now. I think Allegretti has has looked really good. Um, he has a lot more to prove before I start really sprinkling on the praise of, of Brett Veach finding another gym. Yeah. At this point, though, Allegretti has surpassed all expectation because he had none. Uh, most if Chiefs fans were being honest, most Chiefs fans didn't even know he existed right. while he was on this roster. Uh, so, yeah, I think that as it looks, the on, the on pace factor, I would say that, yeah, Brett Veach is actually – Veach season is in full effect when it comes to Allegretti and guys like that because I had zero expectation with Allegretti. He was not penciled in to ever become an adequate replacement for anybody. Hmm. So I am more than happy and more than pleased that he has superseded all expectations, like, again, like I said, which was none.
1: Yeah, I mean, is it a good pick? Sure. I mean, he performed well when he was called upon. So that that alone is a good pick uh dude i think he went in the starting job no i'm not convinced of that yet because we've seen it time and time again not in just not just the chiefs but in football in general we've seen good offensive linemen go down if and, and reserve players come in and play good for a game maybe two but the consistency is what you're looking for you know if he does if he strings you know a good couple starts together then i'll probably start you know gaining some traction maybe he'll there will be a controversy in the starting lineup uh for our our, our line here i mean Whatever it takes to to protect Pat, and in my mind, I don't care who it is. I want the grittiest, nastiest guys in the trenches at all times. I don't care if you think you're more talented. I want grit, and that's what they showed this past game, and I fell in love with it. I love what I saw. Um, I want that toughness, man. So I don't care what name is on the back of the jersey as long as you're protecting our most valued asset on this team. Um, Next question is, Uh, A lot of people are talking about how good Anthony Hitchens has been playing this year, except Craig Stout. (laughs) Are you guys surprised? Shout out, Craig. Are you guys surprised how good Hitchens has
2: played? I'm going to say yes, only because I I know Hitchens can rack up the tackle totals, but he's been awful in coverage. This year, it looks like Hitchens is really trying to fight for his job. Yeah. And even though he's safe in most regards – yeah, I think Hitchens is playing motivated football. I think he's playing aggressive. He's been accurately great in open field tackles this year. I mean, I'm not the biggest Hitchens fan because I feel like he gets a lot of uh, passes when he shouldn't because he's been in a lot of ways. Like, again, it, people look at the box scores and think he had a great game. There's a lot of times Hitchens has been awful with 11 tackles. The yeah, 11. <laughs> there's been games where he was awful with 11 tackles. Yeah. So if you look at the box, you're like, oh, damn, he, he looked amazing. You know, he led the, he led the team in tackles this year. That's not how you look at a linebacker, man. He's got to be able to cover. He's got to be able to close out. He's got to be able to contest passes to linebackers and running backs. He's got to be like I said, open field tackles, things like that. There's more context to it. But at the same time, I think Hitchens has got a solid B plus on the season so far. I want to see him get better again on the, like I said, on one of the pass defenses. I want to see him get a little bit better. I don't know if it's there. I think Hitchens is what, 28, 29 years old now? It's just kind of who he is. This is as good as it's ever going to be with Hitchens. So if this is as good as Hitchens can be, I'm going to give him a B plus on the season so far. Yeah,
1: I, I I like the aggression he's been playing with. He's been he's he's like noticeably more aggressive. Noticeably more like. Uh, you can just see it in his in His his, his approach. He's, he's, being, he's playing more angry. Yeah. I like it. I don't know if his production's really showing it. I just think it's because our linebacker core is so bad, he just happens to stand out amongst the shit.
2: Yeah. I mean, imagine <laughs> sitting next to Ben Neiman uh, and, yeah, and, not, and looking bad. I don't you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think
1: Hitchens is a very mediocre player. I liked the signing initially when we brought him in because, he, if we're all being honest, he played well in Dallas. He did. He was very good over there. His numbers showed. Um, he was productive. And that, we were starved for a middle linebacker or a linebacker just in general after DJ left, you know? And, um, so left a very big vacancy in that part of our defense and still is, I mean, that's that's by far our weakest point of our their entire roster. Um, so any production out of the linebacker core is going to show out because it's going to stand out amongst the crowd because they've all been really bad. Um, so I hope it continues to build upon that. I hope that's something that we can build upon moving forward because we're going to need it, especially in the big games and once the playoffs times come around. Um, by, that, by that time, I hope Gay is more acclimated and yeah, becomes the guy because that's the goal. That's what we drafted him for. And he's been getting more snaps. But, yeah, I mean, Hitchens, I like him as a guy. Um, his production's not been very good. He's, I, but, I mean, if he can continue that leadership just with his voice and the, just the, and the anger he's shown out there and him willing to, you know, throw his body around, that's all we really ask for. I mean, I, I don't think you can ask him to be a better player than he is. I think he's going to be who he is. But at least, you know, have the mentality that you're going to go out there and be nasty and, and make the hits. And maybe possibly every once in a while, tackle a running back before he breaks the first tackle. You know, meet somebody in the backfield and make the tackle. That's what we want. As long as you're making the tackles when you're the guy that's, that's initiating the contact, make the tackle. You're not going to get much of a gripe from me. Uh, next question is, how does the officiating need to be for Andy Reid to get that mad?
2: Oh, Not it's bad, gotta be! Yeah. It's gotta be terrible. The last time I saw him like he that was against the Rams furious, in 2018 on that Monday Night Football game yeah. when they were. It felt like the officials, just like this Bill game, Bills game, yeah. was just literally intentionally screwing it's the Chiefs. Been it's, it's been horrible. It's been horrible, and I think Andy Reid more than anything. I don't think he was mad about the officials being so bad. I think he was pissed at the fact that they weren't giving him the measurement on a third down. It mm-hmm. was a potential fourth down because of the fact that you saw. The way that they were officiating the Bills and how they just yeah. gave Josh Allen that uh, first down without looking at it. And he stepped out of bounds. Yeah, the PIs, no questions yeah, ask. Yeah. And then Andy Reid doesn't get a measurement on a third down attempt, on a fourth right. down play. Like, I, I think that's what pissed him off because he knows how this game is supposed to go. He knows mm-hmm. how officials are supposed to officiate a game and mm-hmm. they weren't doing their job correctly. I mean, they were, mm-hmm. they were horrible yeah. in that game. I think there was a point, I think going into, the, into almost into the fourth quarter, the Bills didn't have a single penalty. Yeah, like that's that's an excuse. Well, the
1: PIs were the only thing keeping that. Pretty for the most part, the PIs were the main reason they were even in scoring position. Ninety percent of the time, so the Bills weren't like out there lighting it up. They were getting good calls and it got them into it got into the red zone. That's right. the only reason that they got. So yeah, the officiating was absolutely poor. Um, they didn't allow guys to play on both sides. Um, they let the, the you know the Chiefs. We didn't get those calls. We weren't getting the PI calls or anything like that. So I think I think it'll level out. It'll balance out. Uh, but yeah, I mean. You can't, you can't leave it up to the officials, and I think we, we did a good job at, at, at surviving those bad calls and, and continuing our game plan and, and the patience of our coaching staff at Patrick Mahomes to live through those bad penalties and continue to, to be structure, structured and, and keep running the ball. And we did that, and we came out with the victory. Um, so, yeah, those were bad calls, man, but we, we made it through. We won the game. That's all that matters. Uh, next question, Donnie Couch again. There are rumors that the New York Jets could pass up on a second-round pick for Quinnen Williams, if you're Brett Beach, are you picking up the phone? We do have money to spend.
2: We got love for. Quentin Williams would be an immediate upgrade, and he would help significantly.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I would imagine though, you'd have to pay him long term. I don't know if I want to do that or not. And correct, correct me if I'm wrong, But hasn't Quentin Williams had some injury problems? Yeah. So I don't know if I want to serve serve yeah. long term to a guy that has injury problems. Right especially on a team that's already been spending so much money. Right. Quentin Williams would be a long-term investment. I don't know if I want to attach myself to three to five years to Quentin Williams. This season, if he was just a rental and that was it, mm-hmm. oh, hell yeah. Give me give me Quentin Williams. And I'd give him a second-round pick because I think he would give me second-round value for the 2020 season. But is he going to be a sustainable piece in 2021, 2022, 2023, and do the Chiefs want that? I'm going to say No. So I'm going to say I would be on board for this year but I don't think it's realistic so I'm going to say it's not going to happen and I I wouldn't ultimately do it.
1: Yeah, it's a fun thought. I mean, the Chiefs are always seem to be with since Brett Beach has taken over seem to be one of those teams that's always out there, you know, putting their name in the hat. Right. which I love. I love it because it's it's that's how I am, you know. I like I'm I'm the fantasy player that's always offering trades to people. You know, just that that and I feel like that's kind of how Brett Beach uh, you know, approaches his job and I love it. He's very aggressive. Uh, I just don't think this is one of the moves that are, that is ideal for the Chiefs it doesn't make too much sense. I think we'll be okay uh, unless there's other names, I mean before the trade deadline, there's always names that come up. You know there's always teams that, that tend to know their their fate for the season and they they, they tend to ship out pieces um, on the cheap to kind of you know clean house. And I think the Jets obviously are one of those teams. The Atlanta Falcons could be one of those teams. The Minnesota Vikings could be one of those teams, and you know we saw in just got moved. you know so there's gonna be good players that are gonna be moved around. Do we need to make a move no? I don't think it's necessarily to go after Quinnen. Uh, next question, uh, Donnie Couch. Should we play Travis Kelsey at fullback more? And if we do this, the end is this the end of the sausage? No, no. I yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I think the sausage is fine. He's just he's been extremely valuable, and he is one of the best at his position. <laughs> So, no, Travis Kelsey doesn't need to play fullback. Travis
2: Kelsey is very valuable tight end. end. Yeah, Yeah. we'll we'll keep him there. Next
1: question, Donnie. uh, I believe this is the last question from Donnie. Um, Yeah, last question. Where do the Chiefs lose again?
2: Uh, I mean, look, I'm going to hold on to the principle that I believe only the Chiefs can beat the Chiefs uh, until proven otherwise. Uh, Give respect to respect is due on the Raiders, but I think that the Chiefs just, like I said, did not – Uh, coming to that game with the right mentality, and they got their asses kicked on the defensive side for sure. Mm. Um, If I I mean, look, I I revoked my uh, Bills loss that I initially had. I revoked my Saints loss that I initially had. I'm going to stick to those. Um, The rest of the schedule, the Chiefs actually amongst all contenders have the easiest schedule left. So I think at this point, and then maybe Trevor will agree, disagree with me on this one, at this point I think there's a better chance that the Chiefs run the table yeah. than lose another game. Having said that, I mean, this is the NFL, man. I don't want to sound cliche here, but it could happen where the Chiefs do drop a game to the Panthers or they do drop a game. To, I mean, the Buccaneers are not a team you're just going to push over and look over. The Buccaneers could win that game. It's in Tampa Bay. They're loaded as fuck. they got a good coaching staff. I mean, it could be that day where the Bucs just have it and the Chiefs just don't. Am I going to pick the Bucks? No, but I I can see another loss. But I, 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 the, I guess the real question would be, do I see two more losses? And that answer is definitively no. So I think I think the Chiefs at worst are going to finish the season fourteen and two, just because of, like I said, the schedule's so damn soft and the Chiefs are so damn good. And I don't think people realize. And I, I try to explain it on the opening monologue to add Le'Veon Bell to this offense. I don't think people understand how great that's going to be. I think I think certain people do, sure. people that know football, like you've seen Ryan Clark and a lot of other football guys. No one has pushed back except Brett Favre, who's just been a complete jackass yeah. on his last few stances. <laughs> but that's us say here nor there. The point is, Lavian Bill is going to take this offense to even at an even more significantly great level. They're only going to get healthier because Mitchell Schwartz is going to be back with a better back. And I think that this team is just going to start clicking at the end of the season. Sammy Watkins will be back as well. But I could see another loss. I, I definitely could. And I think it, 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 there's a chance it could happen, but I think the Chiefs are going to run the table. Yeah, I mean, the the the, the, Bucks, the Saints, and the Chargers are, in my mind, are the three
1: toughest teams we have because the Chargers just know how to play us, man. And it was a close one last time. And it's a rematch. Herbert's got confidence. Yeah, I mean, this is, and it's another game that we play each other and know each other even more this next time. And I can see you know, and know Herbert is getting better. I mean, that was his first start against us, man. He balled out. And, Kids he, good. He, and he made and if he didn't make that big mistake by throwing that crossfield pick, they might have beaten us. You know, so that's that's to me, they've proven to be a tough matchup for us. It just is what it is. You have to accept it. It's a tough matchup. Um, I think we'll get up for it and I think we won't let it happen and get as close as it was as last time. But that's a good defense, man. And and Herbert is 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 a star in the making, it's looking like. So them, the Saints are always a tough team to play. I think we'll beat them, but the Bucks definitely, as far as talent, as far as roster, top to bottom, as far as stacking up against us, stacking our our roster up against their roster, that's about equally as match game as you can get. Tom Brady's been playing well; Um, he's he's surrounded by an absolutely talented roster. So, I mean, if they're healthy and we're healthy, that's gonna be a fun one to watch. Um, That could be a sixty-five point over/under over there. So, um, yeah, I think those are the only three teams that I think they will actually have a chance of beating us or us losing to. So uh, but like yeah, I, I agree. I think our chances are higher of running the table and moving, moving forward because I think we're just gonna get better as the year goes on. Um, and Pat tends to get better as the year goes on. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I'm per- fairly confident in the, the win loss record moving forward. So uh, Michael Hernandez, um, I love Tua, but why are the Dolphins pulling Fitzpatrick and and when they are in second with Fitzpatrick? please discuss.
2: I am so glad this topic was brought up. I was hoping Eddie would bring it up in the Eddie Hour, but we got it in the mailbag, so therefore... It's an interesting thing. Okay, look. I am one of the biggest Ryan Fitzpatrick's fans, and and we owe him a lot here in Kansas City for what he did in Week 17 of last season in New, New England. And I love his passion. I love his zeal. I love his competitive nature. I love everything about Ryan Fitzpatrick. But can we be real for a second, guys? The Dolphins took Tua... At number five, he is the future of this franchise. Brian Flores wanted to ease him into this season, know that he was fully healthy, and let him work his way into this team. It's the perfect situation. I said this weeks ago. It is the perfect time for Tua to come in. Why? They just played the Jets, which is by far the worst team in the NFL. You get a bye week. Now the schedule conflicted. Now you have the Rams, but you have the Jets again in two weeks. Mm. This is the perfect time. And I know everyone loves Ryan Fitzpatrick. But Guys, we can't pretend like Ryan Fitzpatrick one was the franchise quarterback here. And they decided just to pull him. And two, we can't act as if we didn't know this was going to happen anyway. Right. So as much as we love and, Oh, I feel so bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't because he had his opportunity and it's not like he had to win this job or prove his worth. We all knew it was coming to an end eventually. This season It was just a matter of when, not if. Now, what does suck is how we found out. Supposedly, from what I was hearing, Tua got the Tua got the got the tip. He heard a couple weeks ago that he was going to be taking over after the Jets game. So what happened was Tua started telling some friends, and wow. you guys know all the rest of the story. How it goes? People start talking. It gets spread like wildfire. Ryan Fitzpatrick he supposedly his son found out bef- from uh, TV and radio and tweets and all that stuff before they even found out of his father and Ryan Fitzpatrick and his son are very close. So I know that part hurt and I'm not going to sit here and try to play that downplay that part because I know that had to have been rough because this is probably Ryan Fitzpatrick's last season in the NFL. Mm. He's 38 years old at the same time. This is what was going to happen all along. We all knew it. And if you didn't, where the hell have you been? Tua It was going to take over eventually, and this is the perfect time. This is the time I thought it was going to happen. We just need to accept it, man. And this is going to be a non-story in three weeks because I think Tua is going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick, I love him. He's fun for fantasy. He's fun to watch. He's Players love to play for him. His receivers, his running backs, his his fellow players love to play with him. He's, and even Brandon Marshall on, on First Things First talks about that's his favorite player he ever played with. That Jets team was the funnest years of his, of his career, He's just a fun guy. He's a Harvard grad, undrafted free agent that made the league, and is and is overachieved in his career. If we're being honest, numbers he's had good numbers. He's had some really bad years, and some. He's just a, he's a journeyman, right? And it, look, what we're what I'm not going to do is try to tell Coach Flores what he sees and doesn't see in Tua. That coaching staff watches Tua at practice. You don't think they're going to put the better guy in eventually? Tua is a top five draft It could have went number one. It would have went number one if he wasn't hurt. You know, if he goes out there and he sucks, Fitzmagic can get back in there. Who knows? But I, I fully believe that this coaching staff watched Tua at practice. It's glaringly obvious who the better quarterback is. And if, honestly, yeah, we could talk about Fitzmagic playing well. And could possibly be a, a playoff team, which is in the reality this year. It's po- it's very possible if the Patriots start to go down and say Cam gets hurt or they stop playing well, you know who knows that division's definitely up for grabs right now. Tua can make that team take the next step. You don't think Tua being the better player can make that team better? It's it's a football decision when it, what it comes down to. Tua is by far the better player. He's by far the better talent. And if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, I am stoked. Hell yeah! This is this is similar to what we wanted when Patrick I'm Mahomes was just about to was, say that. Was there year one when we knew I'm him. envious? Yeah, we were. I mean, everyone liked Alex Smith, but the people that knew why we drafted Patrick Mahomes to be the guy, we wanted him in year one. We wanted to. We had his, been in the Super
2: Bowl in 2017. Regardless, if regardless played of how it.
1: raw his talent was, but Tua was even Tua was even more prepared for the NFL than Pat was. Pat was wa- way more raw than Tua is. Tua played in a very big school. You know, he's he's big he's, games. Yeah, he's prepped. Yeah. He's prepped for this. The only thing that's knocked on him is his injury. And it was a major hip injury, which I get it. But if he's performing well in practice and he's looking like the outright better player, it, it makes too much sense to put the better player on the field. It makes too much sense. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm a big Tua a fan as well. I love his story, you know, him, you know, just his background, everything, the where he's what he's come from, what he's overcome. I'm excited for the kid. Uh, it could make it could make Dolphins football great again. That's definitely a possibility. They got a young team over there, a young wide receiver core, uh, great coach and Mike and Coach Flores. I like him. I like his style. He's very aggressive. Um, so I'm excited for it. But yeah, I mean, Fitz Magic was a it, stopgap. We knew what it was. We knew what he's been his whole career. It's fun. It's sexy at times, but it's two at time. Uh, last question, Billy Hodge. Um, my question is for Lance. After Monday after Monday's win against the Bills, Mahomes only threw the ball twenty-five times, and against the Ravens, he threw the ball forty-three times. What offense do you like to see more of? What do you like to see more
2: there's of? There's no question I want to see a balanced attack. Yeah. Um you you want to keep the defense on its on its heels constantly. You want to keep the defense guessing because as fun as it is, to, I, I there is nobody that loves a, a, a big game for Patrick Holmes more than me. I love seeing him go out and throw five touchdowns. One of my favorite games uh, of Patrick Holmes' career to this point was actually week two of 2018 against the Steelers. Man,
1: six where, Yeah,
2: where he threw six damn touchdowns, had maybe the most efficient game of his career, and they won by five. Yeah. Like, they threw, they put up 42 points and won by five, For me, I have to believe that you you, you bring that down a notch and you control the ball a little bit and time possession a little bit. The Steelers in that game have fewer chances. Ben gets a little desperate, throws a couple picks. Chiefs win by 13. Now, win's a win, but on a consistent basis, I want to see this offense – have a balanced, healthy attack to where you're evol- involving even more offensive weapons because Patrick Mahomes throws to everybody. But when you have a running attack going, you're getting even more people involved because Clyde, to this point, hasn't been great in the passing game. So you almost have to like consider him out of the equation when Patrick's throwing the ball 40-plus times. You take down his pass attempts from 43 to 25. That means that Clyde's get 8 to 12 more touches To me, this offense only gets better that way. And again, like I said earlier, now that the league knows, okay, we can't let Patrick Mahomes do what he does with the magic, now you're a step ahead with an incredibly great, and I will say a great running attack, and then you sprinkle Le'Veon Bell into the equation. I think it's a no-brainer. It might be sexier with Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball more, but when he throws less, that means you have more control of the game and that means that wins are going to be coming a lot more easier for the Chiefs, who already win all their games, it seems, every single week. You want to make it easier on Patrick Mahomes. Make it easier on him. Run the ball more. I'm all for
1: it. Yeah, it's not for me, it's not about picking and choosing which offense we liked better. This last week, this game against the Bills was a pendulum game. The pendulum swung so far the other way, and we just outright proved that we can play that kind of ball, too, if we really want to. So it's a matter of me of uh, we're going to be a balanced attack, but this was proving that we can be that absolute run heavy offense, even with Patrick Mahomes uh, at the helm, not having to throw the ball over the field to win games. We wanted to prove, after all that talks that's been going around against about the you know the scary zone defense against, with, uh, you know, that's that's the formula to stop Patrick Mahomes. It, we had to put that to bed, and we made sure and made a statement and put that to bed last on game. national television, right against one of the better teams on our schedule. Um. So, and the team that does that very that very type of offense very very well, and we beat them at their own game. So it was just a pendulum game. I expect the pendulum to swing back more towards the middle. Um. But I mean, how privileged are we as Chiefs fans to know <laughs> that we have a quarterback that, if we needed to, can throw the ball <laughs> over the field and win that way, and we also it's fun can throw can can run the ball down your throat, <laughs> and especially like you said with Le'Veon Bell, who I think is going to improve. The passing game, almost maybe just as much as the running game because he's so deadly. I with think the more so because he's yeah. also his, his pass blocking he can run is slot. His elite. He can run slot routes. Yeah. I mean, quick slants would Le'Veon you on Bell. Good luck, and he's an extra offensive lineman back there too. Hey man, yeah, oh, yeah, and
2: his patience is—he's gonna, going to teach Clyde patience because we also got to remember, guys. Not to delve off onto the Le'Veon Bell thing again, but we can't help but gloss over it. Yeah, um, but the fact is, is that Le'Veon Bell's body style or body size is significantly better oh, yeah. than Clyde's. In the he's six
1: two two forty. He's going to get a lot of the goal line work, I fully believe. Yeah, that. I
2: mean, Derrick Henry's huge. Yeah, Derrick Henry's not that much bigger than Le'Veon Bell. Oh, yeah. He's 10 pounds more, maybe an inch taller. Like, that's, that's the kind of running Trust back girl, the Chiefs just I'm, I'm got.
1: A, I'm a big oh, yeah. Fan and I, and I've hated him over the years because he's killed us every so, single
2: time. The evolution of the Chiefs offense is showing right in front of our face. Trevor yeah. made the great point of that was a pendulum swing game in, in Buffalo. They said, okay. We'll just run the shit out of the ball and yeah. kill you by death of a, of a thousand cuts. Yeah, and I'm
1: saying that's why it's, we're so privileged because not every team
2: can just do that. And it's so fun to think like, Oh, how are the chiefs going to win the game this week? Yeah. Is Patty going to go out there and throw four touchdowns right. or are we going to run the ball for, you know, 45 There's times? There's only a couple of teams
1: that I, I can really say that can actually do that. I think that the Titans can do that. Obviously they have the running back that can do that. And Tana, Tana has been playing out of his mind. When he wants to throw, he's incredible green Bay, maybe Aaron Jones, but he's he, hard to stay healthy. And then I think uh, uh, um, uh, the Steelers obviously can do that as well. They can definitely, you know, run the ball down your throat uh, and then big Ben can sling it for six touchdowns if he wants. So um, yeah, I just think, man, I, I just think it was just one of those situations where we wanted to prove something. We went out there and we did it to the extreme. Yep. You know, we did something Andy Reid's never really been done before is run the ball that many times with, with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. So yeah, with that, man, that was the last question. Uh, that wraps up the mailbag. So Good
2: mailbag, guys. I apologize for the Tuesday mailbag. I will work harder on that. I promise you I will not let you guys down, and if I do, I'll just tell you that again. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, we have one more order of business. It's weird we're on short order tonight, but, uh, Trevor, what's it called? Hold this L. It's time. I want you to do me a favor and hold this out. Somebody's gotta hold
0: that <laughs> out.
2: I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L cool J stuff. Hold that out. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny,
1: Ooh, <bug>. pulsating L. <laughs>
0: man. You are
1: one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> wow, that was great. Oh, hold Son. this. Hell.
2: It is time to hold this L. Every single episode, every single week, what we like to do is finish off the show by like handing out some much-deserved L's in the world of sports. Some are nice, some not so nice. Regardless. We give them out, and we give them out with pride. So Trevor, since it's just you and I here in the studio on a Friday night, cold as hell outside, which I personally have been loving this weather since uh, yesterday, which was like 85 degrees, and it dropped 40-something degrees, I'm selfishly loving this stuff. But Trevor, I want you to give me an L. Who in the world of sports is deserving of an L for you? How could I not go to the one that's fresh in all of our minds right now
1: that's been circulating circulating all over the webs? Uh, Daniel Jones, dude. Oh, my God. The primetime <laughs> game. He was on like a 90-yard scramble. It was looking amazing. I couldn't. He was like a gazelle out there. He was running his ass off. He was running fast as shit. And, I was, and he is an athlete. Danny Dimes, the kids call him, hit about the 25-yard line, started stumbling over his own feet. He was all completely by himself, man. And just ate it at about the 10-yard line. And and obviously, they got touched. But he, the guy was scrambling. Yeah. Completely all by himself. I think it was, was going to be like a 90-yard rush. Dude. Yeah. 90, 95-yard yep. run. It ended up being 82. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, bl- I believe it was the third quarter or second quarter. I think it was in the second quarter. Um, I didn't get to watch it live. I was listening to it while I was driving at work. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, how funny. It looked like he was like all by himself ready to, t- to score that touchdown and put the, put the Giants up another score. And it looked like he forgot, like the mob had put money on him to lose or something, and he just like his <laughs> made it look like his like, leg gave out or something. I don't know what what was going on, man, but the the fact that he completely all by himself and just blew it, and that that score would have put them up, and they probably wouldn't have lost if he would have got that touchdown. Just the way that game played out was was strange, but uh, yeah, Daniel Jones, man. He, he, you gotta finish that play, dude. That, <laughs> that's something I think is gonna haunt him. That's gonna be the Daniel Jones play, yeah, in NFL history. Yeah. There's it, always it's a, like
2: it's like the cousin of the butt fumble.
1: Well, it was like the Deshaun Watson, you know, celebrating too early uh, before the touchdown. The 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 DK Metcalf uh, recently won. Uh, uh, Derek Harfummit fumbling out of the end zone like three times on on a scramble. He's in uh, it like two or three times. <laughs> so yeah. this is just one of those massive blunders in a prime time game where everyone's watching. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in the shit bowl. That was between the the, the Eagles and the, the Giants there. it was. I'm sorry, man. That's just one of those painful things you're going to have to live through. And I'm sure his teammates gave him so much shit. I know that it would have been easier to, to accept that shit if you won the game still, but the fact that they lost and you did that, that's rough, man. So let me pour a little bit of salt on that open, gaping wound there. Uh, Daniel Jones, my guy, you're going to have to do me a favor. and
2: Hold this L.
1: L. Shit was hilarious, dude.
2: I got two, and I'm going to give one for Eddie. All right. um, obviously, Eddie didn't. Give give his uh, to, my, to me. I didn't have. I have no idea who what L Eddie would have. But I got two for him. My 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 first one is I, I'm the biggest Nick Wright fan. Uh, Nick's been very nice to me, and um, <laughs> I already know where you're going. Yeah, and he has a show called First Things First for anybody that doesn't watch or get up at 6 a.m. like I do. And they've been you know experimenting with you know side yeah, side hosts and stuff like that, and and they finally landed a guy. Uh, Trevor mentioned him earlier, and Brandon Marshall, and. I don't think it's gone very well, to be honest with you, with Brandon Marshall. I think he tries, and I think he really tries, but I, I, I'm not a big fan of what he does. But football is supposed to be his bread and butter, and for some reason it's still not landing. Well, he crashed and burned this week pretty bad because four days ago, uh, Chiefs and uh, Bills were playing. He put on their first thing in the morning, <laughs> don't at me, Bills win by six He's tonight. in trouble. Chiefs are in trouble. Josh Allen isn't going to lose back-to-back games. They're, you know, all this bullshit, right? Well, the Chiefs ended up winning by nine. And, um, yeah, needless to say, Bram Marshall's mentions have been just an utter disaster. He did end up owning it on the show, but what other choice did he have at that point? Because he's he's co-hosting the show with one of the biggest Chiefs fans in the world, with Nick Wright. So... I've been meaning to give Brennan Marshall an L just for some of the takes he's had, but now this one hits home and how confident he was the Bills were going to beat the Chiefs by six points and some of these other horrific takes he's had about how the league has figured out Patrick Mahomes. Just some of this other stuff, I think it's been overdue. Yeah. So, Brandon Marshall, do me an overdue favor and hold this L!
1: Yeah, now, Josh Allen's not going to lose two straight games if Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah, okay.
2: exactly. That's that's logic for you. Now, my, <laughs> my second one... Uh, it's a little bit more serious. I, I, there is humor in it, I guess, but it's a little bit more serious, and, and it's going to go directly to Brett Favre. Um, Brett's been very outspoken over the last couple of years uh, since he started getting promotions of our sponsorships with some of these random-ass companies. Um, most of them have to do with like joints and arthritis and random shit like that that other old people deal with. And Brett's definitely one of those old people now. Uh, exactly. yeah. Well, speaking of old people and old mindsets, uh, Brett Favre has definitely got some of that on him and himself. Now, I'm not somebody who attacks somebody for their political views. I may disagree. I may think they're absolutely ridiculous and stupid. But I'm never just going to like mercilessly attack somebody for having a political view. But it's another thing when you're just outwardly and willingly ignorant about your political views especially when you're a sports former athlete, current athlete, doesn't matter. When you're inside of it and you're telling other athletes to not use their platform or you think it's wrong because, and let me, let me, let me go ahead and take a step back so you guys understand what's going on in case you missed it. Brett Favre just came out and I believe he was asked a question, but he was talking and he mentioned about the NBA uh, playoffs and the finals and how the ratings were down. And instead of having an informed opinion, instead of coming out with something that's like, "Oh, Brett Favre clearly does his research, or he really thought this one out," no, Brett goes with a low-hanging fruit and says it's because that players have been using their platform for political purposes. Just for a little educational segment here for Brett, um, telling people that Black Lives Matter, taking a knee towards injustice is not political. The only reason that's been deemed political is because politicians, certain ones that we won't name, have decided to make it a personal vendetta of theirs to attack athletes who have been, yes, demonized, attack, uh, just just totally uh, uh, discriminate against uh, athletes that have taken stands for people, not political stances. Taking these, saying Black Lives Matter has nothing to do with politics, nothing until politicians decided to do it themselves. So you're aiming it at the wrong people, Brett. And second of all, you clearly haven't done your research and you clearly don't know what the hell you're talking about because the NBA isn't the only league that has suffered with ratings. The NHL has suffered dramatically, in fact, even worse than the NBA in most regards. You know why that is, Brett? Because those seasons got pushed back into football season. And not just that, Brett, but since you want to get political, how about this for size? The election is on the horizon, Brett. People are voting. People are focusing on political debates, which we've had three in the last month and a half. Ratings are going to take a dip naturally, especially when the NBA and the NHL are not as popular as the NFL or, I don't know, politics. So, man... For somebody who's had a platform like you have, for someone who's been – and ironically, as, it is, as ironic as it is, someone who has a platform because he's an athlete to be talking about politics and sports to say it's wrong when you're the one that's actually putting it in there, you're helping the problem, you're creating the problem, you are the problem. It's just funny to me that you don't see that. It's ignorance at its finest, man. You're, it is personified through your antics. I understand that his political views and mine clearly don't coincide. That's beside the point. At least be knowledgeable. At least have a take that has actual truth to it. For some damn reason, that isn't something we're seeing a lot in our world today, in our country today in more particular. So, Brett, do me a favor. Take – Take this seriously. Hopefully, if you ever do hear this, hopefully someone else around you is as informed as I like to believe that we can be here at the Spoken Podcast and and teach you something with this stuff instead of you just ignorantly holding on to these blind biases that help nothing and no one. In the meantime, while you're getting educated, do me a favor. Take a letter of the alphabet and hold this L. I didn't even see that. Oh, you don't want to. I didn't see that. That's my guy. It's unfortunate. I love Brett. Yeah. But that that, that was, it's just, it's, it's disappointing, man. And again, you can have different points of view. You can have different beliefs. You can have different stances. It's just
1: laziness. Like you said, it's low hanging fruit, lazy takes. Just not really wanting to put in the energy to, to seek out truths or information, you know, be a skeptic to, to, you know, to the, 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 surface layer, surface you know everything that's just yeah. the narratives that are on the surface level stuff it's you got to look past them and do your own research but
2: and it's something as controversial as that i mean you would think that somebody <laughs> like him would want to know what study up on it before they say something that ridiculous but right. he, he said other they got to the, the contrary he's got his base so yeah. Yeah. anyway and all that said and done tonight was a blast Eight, episode 87 was so much fun i'm sorry guys that we haven't had the live stream in the last couple weeks we will be having that back this next week for episode eighty-eight. Looking forward to the Broncos, man. Very much looking forward to this game this Sunday. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Follow our guy Zach Stevens out there in, in uh, Denver. Uh, it's Zach Stevens DNVR. Follow his work. Um, I know he's a Broncos guy, but guys, I'm telling you, there's a lot of talented people out there that don't that don't cover our team. And if you want a, a different point of view, if you want to see what our rivals are doing, go check him out, man. He's he's definitely worth it, man. He's a great follow. Um we're gonna have some more guests coming up in the in, in, in the near future for divisional beat writers. I hope you guys are excited, man, because I'm definitely excited for what things how things are going here with the Spoken Podcast. I hope you guys are enjoying it, and we'll be, t- continue to do it as long as you guys are enjoying the show. But as we wrap this up, for Eddie Ortiz, for Trevor Twiddle, for Gat. For Zach Stevens, I'm Lance Twidwell. Episode 87 of The Spoken Podcast is done. It's finito. It's finished. We'll miss you guys all week. Enjoy the show. We'll be back for episode 88. Episode 87, we out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into The Spoken. I I might actually stick around for a little bit.
3: Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Es mejor llegar tarde a casa que nunca volver a llegar. Es mejor llegar tarde al trabajo que nunca volver a trabajar. Y es mejor recoger tarde a tus hijos que nunca volver a recogerlos. Llegar tarde a donde vayas por esperar a que pase el tren es mucho mejor que arriesgar tu vida tratando de ganarle el paso. Por algo existe el dicho. Más vale tarde que nunca. Alto. El tren No para. Mensaje de Netsa.